Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. Well, Richard Krill, it is treacherous and listening to what Paul Tracy has been saying there, it seems that it's the lack of consistency, really, that's causing the issues. Well, not only that, the guys are starting to push now, too. So you can see they're getting more racy. The positions are being fought harder. So we're coming down to the end of this thing with only a few couple hours to go. So guys are... You know, they're, they're starting to push a little bit harder, and when you do, it, it just jumps, the rear of the car jumps out on you very easy. Is there anything you can do to mitigate it other than, I mean, you've got no traction control in your car. So uh, we, we have traction control in, in the yeah. car, so, I mean, I had it on full wet mode, right. uh, ABS and traction. Uh, it's not as near, not as nearly as sophisticated as what, as what the GT3 cars have. They have a lot better systems in the car for the ABS and the traction control. The cars are three times the price of yeah. the mark cars so it's a lot more sophisticated but you can see these guys are hanging on for dear life out there you can see the lamborghini they're running wide or there was audi running wide in the corner there this is the this is the business end of the race now paul let's let's imagine you're at the sharp end of the race uh, from what you've seen while you've been out there is it a porsche is it a bmw is it a, a, an audi is it an AMG, what, what do you think, who do you think's Ooh. got the advantage, if anyone, at the moment? Big slide there from the Shell Porsche, but I, I think the Porsche, the, the uh, Mentley Porsche, the green one, looked really, really consistent and fast, and I, I think he's probably the guy to beat. Yeah, we've got it. We're still trying to work out if they've got their driver times all sorted out. And Krills, he's been scribbling away frantically. Um, not sure we've got an answer on that. Crunch the numbers. You, we, you're giving me that look that means that you're not quite happy with uh, what we, you found out. We think they're okay for driver time. It's they're 20 minutes out of sync with their main yeah. rivals from a pit stop point of view. Which, if you remember last year, was exactly the same not an issue because they won the race. It was the same situation that Sun Energy 1 found themselves in last time by. How did you find the, the changing conditions, Paul, and adapting to that as that rain came Might down? Might get a yellow with that big splitter laying yeah. out in the middle of the track because that'll cut a tire down immediately if somebody runs over that. So this could full cause course, a full yellow. course yellow. Yeah, that would be another perfect opportunity for a full course yellow. That's heading up uh, the mountain straight, isn't it? Yeah, the changing conditions just make Full it course up. yellow. Just come out. 15 seconds to get on the limiter now. The moment, the moment you start to get some confidence as the as the, a dry line starts to appear, and you, you see the, the the rain tracks, you follow the tracks, and there's there's good grip. It'll just start to drizzle more, and that'll all fill in. And then the next lap you come around, it's it, what you did the lap before. Next time you're in a slide. Yeah. So perfectly timed, John pit stop for Tom Randall in mm. triple two. So oh, he ran over that. The Lamborghini ran right over that splitter. So I think it's a boot lid. I think it's a trunk lid, Paul. I think that's Valmont Racing Audi. I'm going to throw a dart and hope it lands. Um, Triple Two was at pit entry when that full course yellow called. So they've bailed into pit lane. Mm. So this is a really well-timed pit stop for them. While the whole field's doing 80 kilometres an hour, they get this 85-second time pit stop essentially for free. And we saw that that actually had a big impact earlier on in the race 
uh, Krilzy, because uh, at the time, the car that came in and went out didn't lose the lead. At the time, that was the number 911. Correct. And these guys have looked a lot better in the wet than they have been in the dry. They were complaining that the triple two car wasn't perhaps as effective as some of the other Mercedes products, but in the wet conditions, rain can be the great equaliser. And a good stint from Tom Randall has got them in track position. They've got a, quite a substantial margin mm -hmm. over Gouven, who's going to cycle back towards the front of the field. So the 912, that Grello Porsche that Paul Tracy was just mentioning, is looking like a pretty racy car. There it is, heading down into Murray's corner right now. And the triple two is going to leave pit lane, having ticked off a free pit stop under a full course yellow, in a really good position and will retain the net race lead yeah, out of that. Correct. Yeah, I really feel, having seen him go by me at, this, at the rate of speed, that he did, that car looks the, the most well-balanced and the most grip of, of all the other cars that I had a, a good bird's-eye view to watch how they go over the mountain. Got one of the VW Amrock uh, pickup trucks, recovery trucks there to get that. Now, as soon as that clears, we'll go back to green. We'll take the opportunity uh, to say thanks very much to Paul Tracy for coming to see us, and we'll head to Jack down in the lane. Yeah, thanks, John. Having seen the loose floor section on Brock Feeney's Mercedes, I thought it was a good opportunity to come into the team garages and have a look at the spares that these teams carry for these long endurance races. And they're not just spares, they're ready-to-fit spares. So here for the 912 Porsche of Matty Campbell, they've got a spare set of front guards, so a left front guard and a right front guard, headlights ready to go. We've got a driver's door and a passenger door ready to go. If we wander our way further back into the garage, they've got a whole rear bumper bar assembly with the tail lights ready to fit. This is a front bumper bar and it gives you a great shot of the front under tray. And then if you keep wandering out the back, there's more spares. So we've got a full intake section here. And over to my left, we've got another front bumper bar section, a bonnet, and lots of spares. So critical for endurance racing. As they say, you can't go racing without your spares. I just wanted to really ram home what an advantage that was for car 222. They were due to lap, uh, pit somewhere around 210 anyway. So not only did they get that, but that gets them to 243 on a 33-lap stint from there, which will get them to 276, as well as we've just gone to a full safety car. So it will mean Tom Randall leading on the restart. There was a chance there, guys, for the Grello car to get in and essentially take a free pit stop. So they must feel like surely they're OK. But by my numbers, if we're only doing these 33-lap stints, which apparently is what their limit is right, Right now, that would only get them to lap 261. So they would need this race to really run short towards the end. And the folks from Supercars and their data is telling me that it's likely to run dry in the last hour, which would mean more laps at the end of this race. So if anything, it's advantage to the 222. Obviously, they're leading the race, but in every strategy box, that have really ticked it, and that was just an even bigger advantage being able to do it for free. Yeah, agreed, Chad. And it's a massive free kick, but what they probably didn't want was this to be elevated to a full BMW safety what? car. 30 seconds but track has position it? margin. Has it? Because I'm still seeing FCY boards out. So, uh, so it is still a full course yellow. Uh, still a full course yellow. Uh, let's remind ourselves how we got underway all those hours ago. Nine hours and 22 minutes and 12 seconds, starting in the darkness. The... You, one of the unique factors of the Repco Bathurst 12 hours, Yasha Shaheen dumped unceremoniously out of the lead of the AM class, and then one of the big shunts of the day, 
at the Audi cutting the BMW undoubtedly one of the favourites for the race out and took no further part been a bit of impatience on the part of some of the GT drivers and these contacts with the other class cars have seen stop and hold penalties being laid out the mountain Garth Tander has claimed one or two yeah. victims. Once the rains came, it certainly caught a few out. Jack LeBrock on the top of the mountain got caught out with some aquaplaning and then the AMG's Mercedes just went to war with each other. Another one where one of the faster car turns around the leader of the invitational class, that was Darren Curry at the time. That brought out a full course yellow. Then more AMG on AMG contact down at the chase where Mikkel Grenier just came across the front of Kelvin van der Linde and hostilities returned. The number 20 IRC car had a bit of a moment and again the Vortex got caught up right in front of what is now our race leader, Thomas Randall, who this team have done a beautiful job from a strategy point of view. They dived in under this full course yellow got one of their stops done, and now enjoy a near-on 30-second lead. And you might think, hang on a second, we're, we've we've neutralised it. Why ha isn't everybody packing up? That's the point of full-course yellow. It's effectively a code 80-kilometre-an-hour. That's how fast you can go. There's no overtaking, and it freezes the field. It neutralises the field. The times will look a little bit odd in terms of the gaps, but once we get back to green, that'll... The, the, the idea is that we go back to where we were before we had to neutralise the race to get that piece of Audi bodywork off the mountain straight. So keep an eye open for your favourites and the Bazel class leaderboard sees Thomas Randall for Scott Taylor Motorsport leading the pro and overall Marcini in the Hallmark NBC there. We've just gone back green. Grand tenure for Wall Racing in... Uh, the 15th position overall and leading silver, GT4, Adam Christodoulou for prestige in there, AMG. And the invitation class, which it seems to be a bit of a poison chalice at the moment when you're leading. It's Cedric Sprezzoli in the IRC GT number 20, sitting in 20th first, 21st position. I unfortunately don't have in my record book a statistic for the longest surname to lead a class in Bathurst 12-hour history. Right, We've got two of them now, I think, though. Okay. That, that invitational class. Oh, wow. Oh, I don't want to be leading that thing to no, the last lap. Absolutely. <laughs> so this now is a big challenge for Thomas Randall because he has been handed a decent race lead in car triple two. A full course yellow pit stop. The whole field doing 80 k's an hour. They timed it to perfection. Potentially more good fortune than good management. But you've got to take when you can get that here. And he was able to peel into pit lane. Complete an 85-second pit stop and return to the race lead. And the margin at the moment showing 11 seconds. We'll let them get around to the start-finish line for timing to fully synchronise once everyone's back up to racing speed. But So it's triple two leading 9-1-2. Ayan Kanguven behind the wheel of that Porsche. And Maxi Goats third. And Craft Bamboo have seemed to have spent a good chunk of the last three or four hours of this race just hovering around the top three. Just creeping up on it. And that Audi of Kelvin van der Linde, I'm not ruling those guys out. They are looking in a really decent position. And another car that's just been floating around the top five for the last couple of hours, Jack. 
Yeah, really interesting. I've just been down into the Triple Two garage to catch up with the engineers running that car and a couple of old supercars guys in Mirko De Rosa and uh, Brendan Hogan. And they're claiming that they're not actually sort of as lucky as we may feel. They've been leaving hot, wet tyres on every stop because they've been noticing it takes four or five laps to get the pace up. And at the start of each stint, they've been gaining multiple seconds. We're talking 10, 20 seconds on the field. So they're in a comfortable position. They don't think it's a fluke. They think they're going really well. Certainly not a fluke. You don't, fluke. you don't float to the top of this field in a fluke with two and a half hours left to go in a 12-hour race. And there are some very big brains in that, in that garage and some very fast race car drivers driving this car and have driven it beautifully. They rolled the dice earlier with Cam Waters when yep. he was driving when the big downpour came. They hoped that it wasn't going to be that downpour. And Cam, we reported at the time, that, that cost them 49 seconds. Yep. And then they went back to 10th or 12th and they've played themselves back in nicely here. But you don't get that for free. Yes, you leave wet tyres on and you keep them nice and hot. You can do that for two or three stints, but eventually you will wear them out and yep. they will lose performance. And Ancient Guven is coming back now at Thomas Randall. And the problem with that is if you look at how much spray is being thrown up now, for example, down Conrod, and also actually just to my left, uh, down the start-finish straight, that's us, that is standing water again. And we've seen far more spray. The rooster tails are going higher, and it's a, a bigger cloud of spray behind all of the cars right across the top of the mountain some opportunities for fantastic photographs uh, particularly with the car silhouetted on the skyline drop with that big cloud of spray Chan is pushing on here he's he's got his confidence levels up he was remember we said he wasn't gaining on those cars when he first went out there Creelsey but whatever he's found in that car or whether he was bringing the wet tires in maybe carefully it's raining really heavily on Conrad, and now he's found he's found some performance. Well, in the and I'm just checks notes, 108 litres of fuel they're allowed to put in that car. They've burnt half of it, so the cars the weight's coming off the car as well. So performance increasing, but they need to go. They're still in a slightly uncomfortable position because they are out of sequence. Now the first of that leading group of cars to stop as we try and work out how many pit stops there are between, well, they stopped on lap 196 and between wherever the end of the race is. So their next stop, if they go all the way on fuel, should be somewhere around lap 228 to 230. The next group of cars, which includes 75, Sun Energy 1, 46, the BMW will be about 236, 237. STM could go all the way beyond 240 laps now in this race which takes them a long way towards the final 90 minutes. And that starts opening windows for getting to the end on one pit stop, potentially. Yep, the triple two car, whilst it's got track position and at the lead of the field, it is going to suffer some pain in this stint because they're full right now, full of fuel, and the team have admitted to us they're on a wet tyre that is not the newest wet tyre on the racetrack. And the last lap was a pretty graphic example of that. Thomas Randall did a 24-9. Ian Chinguven a 22-9. Maxi Garrett's a 23-9. Kelvin van der Linde a 23-2. So of the top five, the leader was the slowest. I'm just getting my accordion out again yeah, here. Exactly it's starting back. to close yeah, again. It's that slinky that Craig Lowndes had earlier on. It's all just tightening back up again, that spring. There was that little bit of contact as well, let's not forget, between the STM AMG and the Vortex. They put the Vortex in the wall. Not heard that, uh, of anything resulting 
from that yet. Uh, I would say that uh, Motorsport Australia Race Control have far more angles than we have on that. They will have looked at it, or they may still be looking at it. They take all of the uh, incidents in chronological order. And, in fact, I'm now being told it was reviewed. There was no contact. They had a view that there was uh, nothing on the snicker. And there was clear daylight between the back of the vortex and the front of the STM. So it was looked at and reviewed. So those of you watching those highlights, those Repco highlights uh, a little while ago, seeing that uh, it was reviewed and there was no contact, so no further action required. And it's one less car that people have to lap, especially if we get more restarts like we've seen where... Those slower cars have been so challenging to get by and it compresses everyone when they get them at the top of the mountain. Silver class, Bathurst all racing. Fast, Bathurst's fastest game show host. Correct. Grant Denyer at the wheel of this car. And hasn't this car done a mega job through the day? Earlier, it felt like it was 45 minutes ago or so, David Wall was inside the top 10, mm. battling it out with Raffaello Macciello and Marcus Wigglehop. And this car continues to leave, lead the silver class. It seems odd, the car that is so bright, but they've kind of flown under the radar and just <laughs> gone quietly about their business and just made sure that they've stayed out of trouble and then turned their laps. And they, that, you know, that's not the worst strategy, is it? David Wall stint in that rain. Oh, that was impressive. Ago were really, really huge in the context of the race. Grant Denyer watching on. He sees himself on the big screen that's up at the chase there. But he's driven very nicely this weekend and this is a guy that started out a race car driver first yeah. and then decided that he needed to find a way to pay for race car driving so went to become a tv presenter found a job doing tv yeah, exactly okay. right that bit turned out all right for him absolutely it has and of course calls bathurst home now tony delberto has been in this car and we really need to applaud people like adrian Dietz, who has invested in a brand new lamborghini huracan evo 2 they're going to run a couple of rounds of GT World Challenge Australia this year. Lamborghini dead serious about supporting Adrian as well. They sent out their chief GT3 engineer and data engineer out from Italy to support that squad this weekend to help get them up to speed. A couple of test days. Um, this is the first major test for that brand new car. First one in the Southern Hemisphere as well. So it's beaten all of GT Asia as well. So really cool. Well done, Adrian, for that investment and bringing something unbelievably cool to GT racing in Australia. Pretty handy data gathering exercise for Lamborghini. Oh, too. Should they need that in the future? Might rock up oh, the factory team at some point down the road, mm. potentially. Well, just you never know. Might, might have Time to stroke my chin thoughtfully. <laughs> hey, how about how many people from other manufacturers have been wandering around? Some under the radar, some yeah. not so much this weekend. I had a blast around the, the mountain in a Mustang dark horse. And plenty of people with a blue oval here or making noises about next year as well. We think it's good now. It's not going to get any worse next year. And I'm hearing as well from the event organisers, there's big news to come relatively shortly once we get this uh, Superfest finished about the future of this event. Really looking forward to hear what it is. Uh, I did say... Uh, you've made yourself a problem, you know, guys, because how are you going to top this next year? And there was a knowing look <laughs> at me. And I thought, OK, I'm staying away from that. I'll just, I'll go about my business. Shane Rudzis, the event director, and Paul Martin, Supercars Head of Motorsport Operations, went to the total 24 hours of Spa in June last year. And the vibe in the paddock there is that everyone wants to be here. Might still take a year or two to get them all back, but 
they're all keen to be at Mount Panorama. So as I said earlier, we almost had Garage 59 and their McLaren 720 GT3s, which are awesome things. So we hope to get them back. Hub Auto, unfortunately, with the shipping dramas, cost them a, a start this year. But yeah, the world is interested. And you had your ride in your Mustang. I had one in a Corvette. So that's GT3 next year. Um, yes, exactly. So it's pretty cool. Bortai versus, uh, versus Blue Oval. Oh, my goodness. Added to the European exotica that is already here. American muscle versus European style. We've heard that somewhere else before. We are in a truly golden age of endurance and sports car racing right from the World Championship uh, through to GT3 class racing. Well, the fact as well that you can now run most of these cars in the 24 hours of Le Mans yeah. is incredible. That is such a carrot at the end of the stick and a triple eight and Johor Motor Racing went and did the Asian Le Mans series and almost got themselves an entry to the 24-hour. And this is a hairy little moment. The Hallmark car just jumps out the way. Mark Sini behind the wheel. Mark's doing a great job. 13th outright. Melbourne businessman. Races Crow Cup full-time. Hallmark Property Group, his business. And Michael Lochisano and other partners. They've been passionate motorsport supporters for a long time. And Mark and... David Russell equal on 12, the most number of starts in the GT3 era of this race. Yeah, Mark Sini, big supporter of this race, and much like Adrian Dietz funds that car for the rest of the drivers. So plenty going on here. The gap, first to second, is starting to shrink. Can Randall hold on? Part of racing. Front and centre being chased down by the race leader looking to put them a lap down. That team touched on earlier raising money for Prostate Cancer Research of Australia. And looming in the background will be that bright green and yellow Grello Porsche of Anne Kanguven, who's now three seconds behind Thomas Randall. And significantly heavier rainfall in the bottom part of the circuit here. And Whilst why that is critical is because the tyre, the wet tyre that's on the lead car, they have admitted to us that it is a used tyre. They've been double and triple stinting that tyre. So the more water that sits on the surface, the more worn out your tyre is, the less that it cuts through the water. So Randall, his last lap was a 27-1. Anshin Guven, a 24-3. So three seconds. Now the gap, first to second, is under three seconds. It's down to 1.9. So... That 912 Grello Porsche will be on the rear bumper of the 222 AMG Mercedes in a heartbeat. And you can see as we make our way to the top of the mountain, it is much murkier oh. up here. Oh, out around the outside. That's so many to drop down to Reed Park. Two I'm commentators, one, I've got my eyes closed and the other two have got their hands in their head. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my goodness. This could be R-rated. This is incredible stuff. Right on the ragged edge, going past traffic, trying to find some gap, trying to see through the spray. And there's there's only one line at certain parts of the circuit, and where they are now coming down through the Repco Dibber is one of them. Bastion Boost would love to put a move on Lucas Stolls. He's been in GT racing for some time. Bastion looking to make his mark in top flight GT3 racing. 
going to try and cut back and get on the throttle a little bit earlier as the KFC Audi number two in the pit lane. So Marcus Winkelhock was behind the wheel when they peeled in from 10th position. Phil going in that car, just doing some checks to make sure oh, everything good. And this is massive. Bastion Boost look one way and then the other. And they're going to go side by side through the kink and he gets it done. Big, 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 big move. And the Porsche goes forward and just gets it stopped. <laughs> and just keeps it on the island. So it took some hard in the mouth moments to do it. Did he, get a, bigger, did he get a bigger tool than he was expecting? <laughs> that well, he committed either way. And we go back to the battle for the lead. Actually, there's two battles for the lead going on here because the outright leaders are right behind the two leaders in the Boisel Pro-Am class. So Harry King in oh. 911 and Alex Ribeiris in the 27, the heart of racing car. They're one and two in Pro-Am. So they're not going to be in a hurry to hop out of the way for the nope. outright race leaders because they've got their own battle to bash on with. Oh, the number two Audi is in the oh. garage. Big drummers here. Marcus Winkelhock's out of the car. Lots of head shaking going on there. So we'll find out what's happening with that one. It's like Brad Schumacher's dream of an outright... Bathurst win may well be slipping away. The battle for the lead is well and truly alive at Mount Panorama with just over two hours and 18 minutes to go in what's turning into a Bathurst 12-hour sprint race. Thomas Randall, a bright young rising star of our Repco Supercars Championship scene is holding on from Ankin Gubin, a bright young rising star of global GT racing. This was particularly huge. Casual 265-odd clicks through the kink. And Bastian Boos manages to get his car pulled up and stopped and passes Lucas Dolls. So this is busy stuff. A couple of Mercs and a couple of Porsches all battling for their class lead and indeed the outright lead of the race. Unfortunately, the issue with the number two Audi began this morning. They discovered that two bolts within the right rear tow link were not secured. They tried to tighten it during a pit stop and then sent, as it was at the time, Brad Schumacher back out on the racetrack. The problem has gotten worse and worse throughout the day, and it resulted in Marcus Vinkelock driving with the steering wheel at a very odd angle to try and hold the car straight. The problem has just manifested itself to the point where now the crew has said the car is not safe. They brought it into the garage. They are going to try and fix it. But at this point, any chance of any decent day is gone for this car. All hopes rely on the sister car, the number 22. Yeah, we saw them with one wheel off earlier yeah. on in a pit stop, yep. and they were under there. And, and I actually, that's just jogged my memory because someone came in on the socials, hashtag B12HR, and said that they could see that the Audi was a little bit... Uh, wonky on the steering, a little bit cockeyed, and I, uh, something else happened, and I forgot to mention it. And that that is falling into place now. Uh, good eyes once again by our collective knowledge out there across the globe. Fairly low risk maneuver for Goovin getting past teammate Harry King to put them a lap down, but more to the point to put a car between himself and Thomas Randall, who he passed at the chase or on the entry to GT4 McLaren just doing the right thing and jumping very very wide in the Audi Sport cutting to let the leaders go through so Ribera's the next person that Goovin needs to pass and this is how it played out run up mountain straight 
one older spec Porsche and the newer one driving by. That older car still has been hugely effective today and very much in contention mm. for the Boysell Pro-Am class. They're not too worried about an outright result there unless that opportunity was given to it, but there's a class victory in endurance racing and it still means you stand on the top step of the podium. Uh, this could be big because this is the leader behind the Pro-Am leader in the Harter Racing SPS AMG and then right behind there's Harry King. So Alex Riberas will not want to be holding the leader up too much and chance his arm, but then again, he does not want to lose too much ground to the car behind him. Bumped into Alex, met him for the first time early in race week. Smash and block. The Hub Cafe down in Keppel Street in Bathurst, and uh, he was telling me the story of how he was out in New Zealand during COVID and actually got stuck there, couldn't get home. Well, so this is to get stuck. Correct. Venice. Lovely part of the world, and decided just to set up Heart of Racing New Zealand office, basically, and ended up racing in the North and South Island Endurance Championships over there. But he did say that he'd sit there knowing that he was only two or three hours away from Mount Panorama and frustratingly couldn't, couldn't quite get there while we were all having fun at this place. Well, so he was thrilled to be able to get that opportunity and come and race. You were talking about S SPM all the, uh, earlier on with the prostate cancer. Um, you know, our teams in this part of the sport, great social responsibility. Heart of racing, formed by a chap uh, up in Seattle called Gabe Newell. And they race and raise awareness for the specialist cardiac, uh, children's cardiac part of uh, Seattle Children's Hospital. And to date, well over $12 million US dollars uh, raised for that charity. And they are absolutely 100% committed to that and to go racing. They've had a heck of a few years winning championships uh, all over the place. And of course, heavily involved in the development of the Aston Martin hypercar, the Valkyrie. Gabe Newell um, has one, has a road car. And. That car, Adam Carter from Aston Martin uh, Performance was telling me uh, on Wednesday that the the first mule has been running. I was, actually, no, it was uh, Ian, Car Ian, wasn't it? Ian James was telling us at uh, Tractor Town. The, the car has run in a mule form format uh, on an Aston Martin Valkyrie Pro, which is their track car. So that's another big prototype coming to the World Championship next year. I said before, we're in a golden era of, of sports and endurance racing. Uh, more manufacturers realising what they can get out of their road cars and have these fantastic races all around the world. Brilliant time to be in this part of the sport. Ferrari doing sports car racing more successfully than Formula One at the moment. <coughs> <coughs> Well, if, if they stop doing their strategy by a magic eight ball... Do they farm their strategy out in the sports car yeah. team? <laughs> yes, I, of course. <laughs> turns out they're very good. Uh, uh, yeah, so, Ferrari's lads are pretty good. No relation, correct. I should say. They're, they're, they're no better sports car racing. We'll give you a contender check. Mm. When we get into the final two hours, we generally like to run through who's where and who's got a realistic shot at this. But you look up and down that top ten... And there's a whole heap of cars that can still win this car race. Oh, yes. That's the point we want to make. So nine cars still on the lead lap of the race. And with the heart of racing car just being lapped by the leader, Gouven. And I think they're all in pretty good shape. 
So Porsche leading Mercedes-AMG second and third at the moment. Vandalinder in the Audi next. And then Bastion Boost in that omnipresent Phantom Global Porsche. And Lucas Stoll's in 75. So Sun Energy 1 uh, within sight of the final two hours of the race. And they're only 13 seconds away from the race lead. So... For the third year in succession, Garth, that team have engine, engineered themselves to be in at least a position to challenge for another Bathurst victory, which is a huge accomplishment. And then the BMW will be an interesting one for mine. Hasn't set the world on fire in the wet conditions. Raffaele Marcello running seventh, 27 seconds behind the leader. And then with a couple of drive-through penalties, if it goes green, 90 seconds from the race lead, David Reynolds in Group M Racing. That's a big margin. They might need a little bit of help to get themselves closer to the front. And since Aichan Gervin caught and passed Tom Randall, he's now pulled out seven seconds. Yeah. And that, there is that that you were talking about, Garth. That's, to, that's not Tom going, oh, I think I'll ease off a little bit. That's him on worn tyres against Aichan Gervin. Uh, on tyres that have done probably a, a maximum of half the work of the Pirelli wets that's on the triple two. Yeah, and look, it's still a net gain strategy for the triple two. Oh, yeah. Remember, when Cam Waters was in the gravel trap at McPhillamy and came in and got wets, that turned into a 50-second deficit. Yep. So to be only nine seconds off the lead, it's still a massive net gain for this team. And I mentioned earlier, they will take some pain in this part of the race, but... If you take a little bit of pain now, you still have over two hours left to go in the race. So it's still, if we, we know Bathurst, there will be a twist in the tail. Something will happen. You bolt Cam Waters in that thing somewhere near the front of the grid and he will have a crack. He's come up short in the 1,000 so many times by so little that he won't let it happen in this car. So, yeah, yeah he'll, he'll unpick the secret iRacing shortcut at some point to get himself to the front as Maximilian Gutz peels the Caltex car off into pit lane. So, 77. Where were they in their pit stop shuffle? So, this is their 13th time in pit lane. So two hours to go, this stop plus one more, and they should be all right yeah. to go to the end. Car 911's getting a bad sportsmanship flag for disobeying blue flags. So Harry King has been very much eyes forward in the shell car, trying to keep his position in that pro-am battle. So a driver change down at Craft Bamboo Racing. Great stint from Maxi Goats. This car's been floating around the top three for... A good chunk of the second half of this race having worked their way forward. See the team there blowing out the radiator. Had a couple of AMG Mercedes, particularly in the dry part of the race, suffering with overheating. So the team leaving nothing to chance and blowing out the radiator while the driver change takes place. As our race leader, continuing on his merry way, Anton Guven, now that... Gap first to second, near on 10 seconds. <laughs> so marching on its merry way, as it has for the majority of the race, in the lead of the race, this car. It's had a few things thrown at it. Drive-through penalties, miscommunication, uh, an extra drive-through. Yeah, Matt Campbell was very honest about yeah. that when, yep. he, when he spoke to us. And, you know, it, it's hard nowadays to be anything else because we've sort got of eyes and ears everywhere. <laughs> yes, exactly. And... The leads changed in traffic, in spray. Uh, it was a tremendous run down 
Conrod straight out to the outside. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah, oh, wow. <laughs> it sums it up, doesn't it? And that was much less of a lift than it ought to have been going round the outside into the chase there, following in it's behind the 9-1-1. That was when they were catching up with that battle. Remember, they were catching up with Harry King, who was chasing down uh, uh, Riberas for the lead of the uh, Pro-Am class. It wasn't so much the going around the outside of Tom Randall. It was the commitment to do it before the kink with lap cars in front of you, not knowing what they were going to do. This is Bastian Boos. Big. Sort of had a look, thought about it, and then eventually Kelvin van der Linde turned down. This is the battle third for fourth. And the Mante EMA Porsche has proven how good it is in wet conditions. This Phoenix Global car has shown us as well from time to time how good it is in the wet. Boos got a good run off turn one for the run up Mountain Straight. Can he get the job done? Under brakes into turn two, using the toe. Van der Linde sticking to the inside. He's not going to give him an option. Does Boos swing to the inside? He thinks about it. Van der Linde saw him coming. Shut that door as quick as Boost had a look. So Van der Linde not going to let Bastian Boost through as they continue this battle for third. And there's second not far up the road. So that's why Van der Linde's boxing on because he knows he can get himself up into second. Thomas Randall just ahead. I like where this car's at. Mm, car 22, the Audi. They've just been creeping up on it. This is the best an Audi's been late in a race for the last couple of years. They were probably outgunned last year. But Van der Linde's been so good in that whole combination. Liam Talbot did a nice job early contact. Grupa M down the inside of Triple Eight. It's four position. Brock Feeney and David Reynolds. They'll be boxing on in a week's time. I wonder if that stint length. Yeah, well. I wonder if that stint length. And it is confirmation. Car 130 and 77. So Danny Runkadella behind the wheel of that Kraft Bamboo car. We just saw them in pit lane. We'll have to do a drive-through penalty. And this guy too, David Reynolds. It's not been Grouper M's day today. <laughs> this was fun though, for us. Perhaps not so much for Brock Feeney with a couple of wheels off under the bridge. I've got a button here for these kind of things. AMG on AMG. <laughs> AMG on AMG. Yeah. All dear. Much like the flasher button on the steering wheel, that button would be worn, worn out. Worn out by <laughs> now. Yeah. Every time we pick up a shot of two AMG cars near each other on the racetrack, they inevitably run into each other. This time it's a couple of supercar superstars having a crack at each other. Dave Reynolds and Brock Feeney. They'll pick up hostilities in a week's time when we come back for the first round of the Supercars Championship. But as it stands right now, Feeney gets through. And that's the battle for eighth. But as we heard, Reynolds will have to come to the lane and serve a penalty for a breach of the balance of performance regulations. So, so that's that 150 minutes that we were talking about early on. I think it's laps in a stint. I think oh, it's the 32 right. lap number. Okay, got you. So, wow. so I wonder whether the teams have interpreted wet weather running is not usual wet weather or not usual race conditions and thought well we can stretch it here because we wouldn't use as much fuel in the wet so Chad might have more yeah it's for going too many laps between refueling and Ooh. the reason why it was hard to see on the numbers was because originally they had been in 
as we've got a car up yeah. in the, Hit the wall. Hit the wall, that's rear suspension damage, toe link damage on the 77, so they've got bigger issues than a drive-through penalty now. Hunkadea has done something that he seldom does. It looks like there's been a mistake there, and that car has been in the wall. Rear axle or rear left. I think it's a toe link. Yeah. There's also some damage on the right front as well, God. Yeah, so I wonder if he got, oh, maybe got, got pinched on lap cars somewhere and ended up against a wall. So, here we go. Here we go. So he's by himself here, Junkadella. This is a run down to the grate. Oh, yeah, it's gone. You can, I can see it. Oh, it's broken. Yeah, it's broken on him. Something's happened. So whether he's made oh, contact with it. the wall somewhere else. But the inside rear, the unsighted rear tyre is already moving, and that's why the car got away from Danny Yunkadella. Wow, and what a probably shit. the scariest part of the racetrack to lose control of the race car. How fast down that great Well, in the dry, it's 220 plus. So I'm thinking it's probably around the 180 mark. Yeah, you can in see the that's gone. Yeah, there it goes again. Yeah, as soon as so he gets up on yeah, the throttle. Yeah. gone as he jumped down. So I think it's a toe link or rear suspension arm. They had been side by side a couple of laps ago, and... Uh, you think, all right, side by side, how does that happen? Well, the wheels and tyres aren't straight up and down. They're cambered out, which means the bottom of the wheel and tyre sticks further out uh, from the bodywork than the top. He's done a good job to get this back. Here we go. Oh, this is there. Oh. We go. So there, contact with the outside wall. There we go. Once again, our replay crew doing a smashing job of tracing that back. Yeah, so... Heavy contact with the outside wall at Solomon Park results in the 77 car. They were having to come to pit lane to serve a drive-through penalty, but that does not matter now. As Danny Yunkadella slowly drags that car back to pit lane. I went digging, Garth. I have news of a penalty nature. So we saw the drive-through penalty for this car, which is now obviously redundant, but also for the 130, which is a, a key contender in our race. And it was for uh, failing to adhere to balance of performance. And one of the balance of performance regulations is the length of a stint, which started out the day at 32 laps. Now, they were given grace to run 33 because of the changeable conditions. Uh, those two cars that were penalised in 36 and 37 laps, respectively. So quite a significant breach. Doesn't include safety car laps as well. So I wonder if that's where they got a bit muddled because they did spend quite a lot of time under yellow ah, during that yeah. period. But 36 and 37, so it's a clear breach of the balance of performance regulations. That's why they're getting a drive-through penalty. And that's why it's going to cost them big time. And that's why all the other teams will be paying very close attention to how many laps they've done. Detective Inspector Richard Crail there coming up with the goods. Nice work. Yeah. Crail. Good investigation. Coming down to two hours to go, gentlemen. Uh, now, dog tyres looking. Well, they're the unused <laughs> communication, so you can tell. So, uh, radio issues for one of the Audis. Let's see which one that was. See if we can work it out from the I want to see what screen. he says on the other side of the I board. I think it as was well. Mark Sini, the number nine. So, and what does it, it say? Crew members saying, I don't know if he saw it. So, what does it say on the other side? We, we hear you. you. The dog will be, For lucky dog. if there's a safety car, yeah. a lucky dog, because they're within shouting distance of their pro-am rivals. Mm. So, they've actually played a really good race. Hallmark Property Group, 
And MPC, as the Caltex car is sadly going to be pushed back into pit lane. And cruelly, this pit stop won't count as their drive-through penalty. No, unfortunately not. <laughs> so but should they fix this car and get going again, they're going to have to come back penalty. in again and do a yeah. drive-through penalty. That's more but, cruel. Yeah, but that's, it doesn't matter. The result's gone now. Hunkadea has had an awful couple of weeks didn't even get to drive the car. He was meant to be racing uh, in the Asian Le Mans series finale. Uh, didn't get into uh, that at all. And here, that's a very uncharacteristic mistake from Danny. That's a hell of a save, though, to be yeah, fair. It is. It is. But... Rear, rear wheel steer, not where you want it. No, but not the first car to meet the concrete on the outside wall at Sulman Park. That's happened many many times in the past such a high commitment part of the racetrack with absolutely zero room for it to go wrong it, it's the team not, going to work to try and fix it it's not a, not a long fix because Hunkadea is staying in the car yeah, but it's it going to take matter. them out of contention matter. Ship? Well and the best news that I can give you guys is when they put the car up on the air jacks the wheel didn't sag so the piece that is broken is a singular piece it's not the entire uh, conjuncture of the A-arm but rather one piece that has gone a little bit uh, flim flam and it's, it's hanging where it shouldn't but it shouldn't be that long of a assuming that they decide to fix it all together. Yeah, I would have a good look at the rear of that car, though, because it was a pretty significant impact with the wall, given that they'll lose a lap or two here. You don't want to lose a whole car as a result of hurrying to get it back out on the racetrack. So, importantly, Anshin Guven put the 130 Gripper M AMG Mercedes a lap down there. So, after their drive-through penalty for Dave Reynolds, he loses a lap. So that is an important little note to make as strategy starts to play out and this goes on. Headlamp flash button. Firing off. And now up towards the leaden skies above Mount Panorama. Just add water for excitement. Don't really needs to do much of that normally at the Repco Bathurst 12 hours but this has been a very different looking race for 2024 added a lot of variables in Supercars season 2024 a lot has been learnt a lot has changed and we've got a lot to look forward to it starts with the Bathurst Superfest. Following the Bathurst 12 hour, it's time to kick off the new season at the thrifty Bathurst 500. Brace yourself for another great race, Australia. It is showtime. This year, a new champion will be crowned. Take your pick. It could be anyone's. Who gets the job done today? Ticket information can be found at supercars.com. Supercars, unforgettable. That's next weekend here at the mountain. Two 250k races, two shootouts as well. Think of it as two completely different race meetings. And if you can't be here, if you don't get your tickets through supercars.com uh, and are you one of the internationals, don't forget the Supercars Super Pass. Do like Shay and I do. We can follow it all around the world. And all the details are at supercars.com forward slash Super Pass. Watch it live. Watch it when you like. Superview is a great Superview, thing. For, yeah, yeah. Uh, you'll have that. I can't believe you're not staying to see a supercar race at Mount Panorama. It's a, it's a bad piece of logistical planning. 
Yeah. Oh, I know you've got to go to the World Endurance Championship oh, in poor Qatar. But poor so hang on, next weekend, it, it's Superbikes at uh, Phillip uh, Island. Yeah. It's Prologue at Qatar, a track I haven't been to at LaSalle, and here for supercars. Yeah. And I really wanted to do all three of those. But well, Chad wouldn't load me the jet or the helicopter. Two of those are in Australia. We can get Chad's jet. You can do Saturday at Phillip Island. You can do Sunday here at Bathurst. Yeah. Supercars forward slash super view is uh, what I was trying to get my uh, mouth around there. It's a fabulous service. All the details are there for you. Watch it live or watch it when you desire. Here's the top three in the Pro-Am class. Line of Stern. This is all for position. So, Alex Ribeiros, Harry King, Jordan Love. Line of Stern battling it out. What have we got here? Oh, Luke Yildon. The Valmont Audi just a little bit wide. Does keep it on the bitumen. As the Craft Bamboo team continue to look at this car and the rate at which they were repairing it has slowed up somewhat. Yeah. So... It well, you was called it significant off. contact with the wall. I think Alex Ribeiros is just staying in there because he doesn't want to face the team. So, <laughs> I, I, I mean, you're looking at potential drive shaft issues straight into the yeah, gearbox. Yeah. There, you know those yeah. cars very well. They're pretty sturdy. Yeah, but that, but that was, was a, a big, big hit. hit. Yeah, yeah. And for somehow, like all concrete walls are hard, but that one seems excessively hard. Yeah. Don't know how, but. Any car that goes in there has serious, serious damage. Yeah, uh, and this on the socials from Kitch. Thanks, Kitch. Uh, hashtag B12HR. Anyone who thinks that Mount Panorama is Panamara, Panorama, isn't that hard. Uh, Danny Junkadea is an example. Numero uno that it actually is. Such a lot of experience for Danny and... Again, small margins, big consequences. Yeah, unfortunately, it was pointed out to me that's two years in a row for him at this place as well. So that's going to sting. I reckon that's why he's still in the cockpit. Yeah, he doesn't want uh, to talk yes. to anybody. Now, the reason Manti EMA are looking reasonably active down in pit lane is because they're very close to a pit stop. Could well be this lap. 31 laps in this stint so far for Ayankan Guven. Now, they will be good. You would imagine to go to the end from here with one potential pit stop, depending on the pace of this race. And this is the problem. If they're handing out drive-through penalties for going longer than the stint distance, you are going to have to be really confident that the last time you pit is 33 laps or less away from the chequered flag. The problem is this isn't a lap count race. No, it's a timed race. That's when you have lapped based strategy around a timed race. Correct. So that's where it's you have to be so, though. so careful. So another number you need to remember is you can't do more than an hour and a half driving time continuous. This pit stop's taking place with an hour and 52 and a half minutes left in the race. So you need to be a little bit careful of that one. Still a few regulations you need to jump around. So you leave? Minutes. So 150 oh, yeah. minutes. 150 minutes. So, so that one's fine. Yes. Tick, tick. So it's over two. One less yeah. tick. One less box to tick. Which will be a relief because they're the way they've spread their drivers out. So are you leaving Chan in here? Are you putting Vanto in here? Are you... Matty's hasn't been out of that car for an hour yet, has he? So he can't quite get back in. I think it's Vantor and you're making your final stop probably with, well, it's going to be an hour, isn't it? 32 laps. 
you're making your final stop with about 50 minutes to go and you're throwing M. Campbell at it. It's a nice luxury to have, isn't it? Yeah. You've got Lawrence Van Thor and Matt Campbell available to you. We'll find out what they've done when it triggers the timing loop at the end of pit lane and there's a little RFID chip in the driver's helmet that will tick over and tell us who's behind the wheel. So, Goovin out. I'm actually, I tell a lie. In. Yeah, I, t I tell a lie because of the slower lap times. That's been all, well over an hour. That that stage. Yeah, I did so, wonder that. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm sort of thinking back to two-minute-ish laps. Yeah, and uh, what would it be enough? That was nearly an hour and twenty minutes for Jan that time around. So I, I think they'll be running this last one to time. Yeah on the basis as long as they know they can get to the end and it's not 33 laps because they're giving them a lapse grave grace on that stint time because they're, they're not normal conditions. So and it, so this is Pro-Am, is it? Or is it? That's our leader around the Gripper M car. So for a minute there, the Gripper M car was unlapped because Anchen Guven came to pit lane. But now the new leader, Bastian Boost, it's got around Dave Reynolds in the 130 AMG Mercedes. So if it's not one Porsche leading, it's the other Porsche leading. And this car <laughs> has been in the front five for the majority of the race after qualifying deep, well out of position for that car. They've got themselves back in the game. And the Vortex is back out as well <laughs> after its trials and tribulations. That's another team who uh, don't know the meanings of the word give up or possibly go to pub. <laughs> How do you say that in French, John? Allez, au pub. So we don't expect to see Bastian Boos in the lane for probably 2.36. So we're 2.29 now, if not a little bit further down. So that last stopped on lap 204 of this race. So where the EMA Mante car is at a little disadvantage as their windows in this last hour and 50 minutes are very tight. Correct. Mm. So with the Bastion Boost Phantom Global car going deeper into the race, it opens the windows in the last part of the race. So strategy for, for Mante, they've almost got one hand tied behind their back a little bit. There's only so much that they can do within yeah. the boxes that they're constrained by. And the, the driving car. time, fuel economy time to go. The car with the biggest operating box is triple two because their last stop was on lap 210 yeah. so they've got another four laps up their sleeve pushing right into that final hour of the race and then they can dictate when they make their final stop and who they tool up to drive that final little stint to the flag. Actually bizarrely for the car that has been in the, the lead so much the 912, a little bit of full course yellow or safety car even, where the lap time is longer, that actually helps them out. Yeah, well, that just changes the whole context of the race again. So, so many variables still to go with just under an hour and 50 minutes left in this one. And at no stage in this race would we have thought that the triple two Scott Taylor Motorsport AMG Mercedes was actually looking the strongest no. of the AMG fleet. Correct. So... We said that they'd done a great job strategy-wise. They'd played themselves in. They'd floated to the top. They're taking a little bit of pain by triple stinting a wet tyre. But ultimately, it's going to work for them should it play out as we think. And they'll be right in the game into the last round of stops. I still think if it runs green, 9-12 is in the best position. But they'll have 
they'll have the least amount of stuff underneath them at the end of the race if it comes down to a, an all-in battle like it so often does here at Mount Panorama. So they should still get track position. They'll be the first of all the cars to pit. So they'll shuffle back to the front, but then they'll be chased down by cars that could be lighter on fuel that could have better rubber beneath them as well. Chad? Yeah, the biggest issue for car 912 that I've got is I've got them getting to lap 261. Uh, as their next pit stop and that would happen to be probably about nine laps before the finish so it's cars like this one on screen that are somewhere in that window being able to get to that magic 270 marker which is likely where this race is going to finish we'll know a little bit more sort of as the, the laps tick by but obviously but um, I still don't see that 912 getting home uh, without making another stop obviously but there are others that can make it home with just the one more stop so you guys remember way back when when we had that flurry of safety cars and teams were stopping half a tank and topping off and running alternate strategies to each other and we were saying well it's going to change the play of the race for someone somewhere later in the day and it's played out for the 912 that one of those half stints somewhere in there has made it things much more challenging yeah. for them yeah. here yeah and that was what was that seven hours ago yeah, when all that started so <laughs> You, you, you're constantly working backwards from the end of the race. You just don't know the decisions you make then, how they affect the race later in the day. And in terms of laps, you don't know where the end of the race is. still is yet, which That's is a, moving target. a quirk of endurance racing. Uh, while we're unpicking race strategy and trying to decipher what's going on, Jack Perkins has been busy out and about and patrolling the top of Mount Panorama. Here on the top of the mountain, and I've got to say, there's a lot of fans around, but I'm keen to know who everyone is supporting. Now, who are you kids supporting? The Green Porsche. Uh, the Sun Energy Mercedes. Green Porsche. Green Porsche. Green Porsche. Now, what about the adults up the back? Who are you supporting, sir? Lounsey. Lounsey, I can tell by the shirt. What about you? Yeah, Lounsey in the work, mate. And what about you, sir? Uh, Richard Crail. Well, what do you know, Krause? There's supporters up here supporting you, mate. That's bloody good. How much did that cost you, <laughs> Richard Crail? Like last year, Garth, I tell you, absolutely nothing. So you've managed to do a commercial deal. It's cost you zero to get exposure for your fan club. So that's it's, that's nice it's work. The fans. Do I get? Fan can club. I get a discount on my merch? No, because all of the merchandise money goes to charity, Garth. The Childhood Cancer Association of South Australia. I'm glad you clarified that. It's not the Richard Crail Foundation. It's not. No. Well done, Rich. We do have a bit of fun with you, but you do work your backside off for this event. Oh. And we give you a hard time. We know that it takes an army. It took just Saturday last year. I got 10 hours into the race this year for oh, that. that happen, we wanted so. to make you sweat for this one. We wanted to make you sweat for this one. There's no point doing it in the first hour. Let you sweat for a little while. Oh. I, I'm going to tell you now it was going to be worse because we were going to have the full merch set up with the carp and the don't flags. Give, don't give away what we're doing next year. We, could, we <laughs> couldn't do it, Grills, because it's sold out. Couldn't get any. Oh. Yeah. We're going to have to get organised earlier. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's enough of this. Let's hear even, from Shay. Even Shay couldn't get any, could you, Shay? No, but I didn't try, guys, in all honesty. Um, last year, I spoke to Jules Gunon before the final stint of the race. Jules, now we're in a situation where, again, it's getting close to the final stint. You and Luca and Kenny have all done a great job, and you're still in a position to fight for this win. Does it feel similar to the previous years? No, I don't think so. This is an, another crazy Bathurst uh, 12 hour. These conditions are really difficult. Uh, a bit earlier, when there was a lot of water, there was a lot of aqua planning at the top of the mountain. It was really hard to stay on track. But now it looks like the Porsche are quite not on our range yet, but we will 
Kenny told us it's all in, so we will we will definitely go for it. We don't know who is going to finish because we are again really really close on drive on driving time. I've already done more than four hours something, so we can't put. You know, it's very complex for us. So let's see. I see Luca is catching uh, quite well the second place car. So let's see what we can do. Good luck. Thank you very much. And there it is. There's that bit of mental arithmetic that has to go on whilst you're also making sure the car is fueled. It's got the right Pirelli tyres on. Uh, pass for position. AMG on AMG. There's that button again. I wonder if they can get this one done without contact. What's the over and under on that, Garth? <laughs> <laughs> Very small odds on that one, John. So... And this is the... Oh, Lucas Stoltz locked the rears down into the final corner. So, not easy to drive, that car. It wasn't a very overly positive Jules Gounon that things were going to work out in their favour this time around. But that's not going to stop Lucas Stoltz having a go to get around Thomas Randall for second place. It's still not, I mean, it's not drying up at all, is it? No, because there's, there's, there's a bit more showers that come through. Yeah. Heavy downpours that blow across the track and then disappear again. So, and it's funny, I, I entirely believe you're going on when he says, we don't know. No, I, yeah, I, I totally. don't think they do. Often you get a bit of PR speak from race car drivers and teams at this point of the day where they keep the deck of cards fairly close to the chest. But right now, this is an incredibly difficult to read motor race. And the complexities that have been added this year around stint length and that pit stop time of, as well have just added to the challenge of unpicking this race strategy. And what is the maximum amount of time a single driver can do, Krelzy? You have in you total looking... for the entire race? Yeah. 340 minutes. Right, okay. So he's already done, he said, a little over four hours. That's 24, so he's probably all right to get back in. What we got left, we've got 100 minutes left. So, so 5.6 hours, just over five and a half hours. And, and I will happily admit I had to get the calculator out for that. So a driver can do 5.6 hours. That's why this rule we've been talking about with Kenny Habul in this car, Liam Talbot in the 22, works. Because your two pro drivers can do 11 hours and 10 minutes. Uh, they can do 11 hours and 20 minutes of a 12-hour race. Yeah. So your third driver only has to do 40 minutes if they're bronze rank. But what it does, as Chad and I especially have talked about with the Pirelli pit bunker, is reduce your flexibility. And that's where they're at now. That's yeah. the problem, yeah. is that they don't know how much time they've got to play with before the end of the race with each yeah. driver, and that is the massive challenge. And if you go over that, you might get the chequered flag first, but you won't win the race because <laughs> the stewards will clamp down on that very, very quickly. Coming around to pit stop time at the front of the field with exactly 100 minutes to go. That it, it is fairly easy to work out. Started all the way back in the dark at a quarter to six this morning in front of a huge crowd as the sun came up over the Blue Mountains we had some fantastic racing Yasha Shaheen tipped into the bunker at the top of the mountain in the battle for the Pro-Am category the first big incident took out one of the real hopefuls for the race the WRT BMW 
And down in their garage, was they were inconsolable. Been a little bit of uh, pro-on-arm action as well that's been penalised at various times through the race with the GT3 drivers being uh, less than patient. And then Mother Nature took a hold and played her hands. Lightning and thunder and, well, a bit of contact at the top of the mountain as well. But in amongst that, some phenomenal racing. Oftentimes it's been EMG on EMG, but also that blue Porsche number 13 carving its way through the Phantom team, belying the fact that this is their first race. And then wondrous stuff at Australia's fastest motorsport corner. An uncharacteristic error by Daniel Hukatea broke the left rear suspension on the triple T car. And that, wow, guys were not happy about what was going on there on the 77 car, excuse me. And that left the Porsches back in again. At the moment, it's Bastian Boos who leads from the Triple Two car in second. And here is the tail of the tape with the Pirelli leaderboard. Just under 20 seconds, the gap between first and second with Lucas Stoltz just menacingly sitting there. This is the two-time winners in the 75. Uh, good results for some of the pro-arms, getting well inside the top 10 uh, for the leading cars now. And that's going to be a decent battle to the end of the race as well as they've now got all of their pro drivers to do the last 98 minutes or so. And uh, Buzzell, class leaderboard, has Bastian Boos leading overall. Pro-Am Jordan Love at the moment for Triple Eight JMR, but my goodness, has he got some competition right behind him. Wall Racing, Tony Delberto with the beautiful Lamborghini in the red and white colours uh, leading there in GT4. Uh, Daniel Beliski in the Mercedes, number 19. That's been uh, out a long time. And the Invitation class, uh, well, that one has, as I said before, been a, a poison chalice. So still communications issue clearly there, Garth, from the guys with their makeshift boards. Um, that is not a class that I'm familiar with here. Two wheels and two stroke. But that looks too much fun. Yeah, you know where that is? That's the inside of turn two. There's a motocross track on someone's property up there. It's a great-looking race. Every track, track walk, yeah. when you come back here, you have a look at that track, and it's getting bigger. And <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, the, the kids are getting older because the jumps are getting bigger and more brave. It's something that's really cool to check out every time you come to Bathurst. So, yes, still radio issues down there at Audi. We're still not exactly sure which car that is, but it's a nervous sign that you hang out when it's box next because you're never sure whether they actually see it. So they're trying real hard to get their attention. That's the Cini, Mark Cini Hallmark car. There yeah. it is. So you can only do that so many times before the car runs out of fuel. So you certainly hope that the driver has well, seen seeing what you need to see. Let's hear from Jack in the lane. Thanks, Garth. Just an update on Jules Gunon's driving time. We've got confirmation from the officials. He has an hour and 40 driving time left, and it's just clicked over to one hour 36. So he's right to get back in and see it through to the chequered flag. And I also tapped Matt Campbell on the shoulder and said, hey, mate, are you getting back in this car? He said, absolutely. I said, can you tell me when? He said, uh, sometime between now and then. <laughs> yeah, that's good race car driver. Arts. That's kind of answer you give, Jacko. So an hour and 40 to go. Well, that's good proof. So that's unpicking one piece of the puzzle. So Lucas Stoll's 
will hand over the Sun Energy One cars. He's got two laps left in this stint right now. So the triple two will run longer. Mm -hmm. They've got more laps up their sleeve, which gives them more flexibility. So you can put Jogun on in car 75 from now, and he'll get to the end on driver time. You have to stop again. But yeah, and then you've got to make sure you don't breach the 32-lap stint distance as well. So that's where the window on the triple two car comes in. And they can go a bit deeper in this one, and it gives them much more flexibility for the last stop, whenever that may fall. Because you, as you get closer to the end of the 12 hours, you can project more accurately what length that last stint is going to be. By my reckoning, Lucas Stoltz will be coming in this time or the next time around as he's already on his 32nd lap since he was last in the lane. So there's frantic calculations going on here in the booth. Um, fortunately, we have pieces of paper, so we don't have to take shoes and socks off. That um, wouldn't be pleasant. Front of the field now, 20 and a half seconds, the gap between Bastian Buse, Porsche, young driver, won the shootout at Portimao, on the Algarve, Southern Europe, at the back end of last year, three days of uh, testing, racing, running, a PR, uh, and that has been a door open to a career for many drivers in the past. Traffic playing its part again here, gentlemen, and nicely driven by the Vortex 701, Philippe Bonnell, who is Vortex, but that has led to a closing up. Stoltz was coming anywhere. He's going to come to the pits shortly, but he still wants to maximise where he is on the track. Both of these drivers need a little bit of race smarts here because they are in slightly different car races at this point of the afternoon. So we're a pit stop from this car very soon. Tom Randall can keep lapping. Race smart, hopefully, at the kink. Does he Will he get down the inside? No, Randall's going to not let him through there. Does Randall pull it up? Yes, he does. Nice job. So, Thomas Randall more than up to the task as our race leader, Bastian Boost, comes to the lane. So, this is an important stop relative to Randall, who comes to the lane. So, that's got us by surprise. We expected Randall Whoa. to go much deeper into the, this stint than Lucas Stoltz. So, Stoltz now with clear air and will assume the lead as the two leaders come to the lane. Well, I, I reckon... This is Stoltz on his 33rd lap now. Yeah, he'll be in this lap. Yeah. And in theory, we'll hand over to Jilgunon. He'll be good to go to the end. So another massive day of workmanlike stints from Lucas Stoltz. He got to qualify the car yesterday, yeah. their, their previous two wins. Lucas done a lot of the grunt work in the middle of the day and all the hero stuff was done by Jilgunon. <laughs> so Jules, just an incredible display of teamwork and mateship between them said, no, it's your turn. You go and qualify the car, Luca. He did a really solid job yesterday. And uh, he has been spectacular today in really challenging conditions. So STM go to work. They were scheduled for somewhere around lap 242, 243. So they've come in a little bit earlier than anticipated. Tight changing crew on that team haven't done much work for the last three pit stops, so they would have had to wake up because they've triple, triple stinted those wets to get them in the position they are. So, Rattle guns, where did we yeah, get those? Bit of a refresher course for the <laughs> tight changing crew. Here's a battle for the lead Porsche on Porsche. Net race lead, and Bastion Boost will return in front of Ayankan Guven. That is critical. That's big from Boost. That's massive. Yeah. 
So that stint has been huge for the blue Porsche. The yellow hey. one's got hot tyres and a hot driver fired up, ready to go. And he gets oh, it very big wide. Understeer. And it won't get off here. It'll spin up. Just... Yeah, through. Oh. Goobin will go. He'll go. No, oh. not yet. Oh, not set. yet. Oh. I'm still not yet. Boost is not going to give him the inside line, but eventually Goobin around the outside. But there's a little window into Bastion Boost about what he is prepared to do when it comes down to it. Newest Porsche young driver against established Porsche works driver with Thomas Loudenbach, head of Porsche Motorsport, down there watching in pit lane. I think that was all right. No, that was good hard racing. There. Hey, they didn't even touch. No. So that was good hard racing. Not EMG like yeah, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm really enjoying what Bastian Boost is doing in that car. And now Lucas Stolz peels off from the race lead. So one lap lead for 75 added to their tally. And he should hand this car over now. It's 116 of the 237 laps in today's race. Lucas Stolz, a very, very busy boy. We said yesterday he does the grunt work. Yeah, all of there it. you go. All 116 the laps of 237. <laughs> May as well be half the race so far. What do you want? Well, Chan Coven's done 110 laps. Yeah. And he's still in the car and going again. That's oh, great stuff. Racing room. When we talk about racing room, it's a... A fairly broad concept racing room. That's racing room. Yep, yep. You want to know what racing room is, then play that bit of tape. See how much of the throttle Anshin Guven had to get out of it at two and wait for Bastian Boost to collect his car on the cold tyre. Couldn't clear him at the kink, had to hang on the outside. Couldn't clear him at the cutting, had to go all the way around the outside. And the warm tyre worked for him and gave him track position. And good hard racing between the two Porsches. And look how much the gap. out. That's warm tyre versus warming tyre. So whilst Bastian Bust did lose the race lead as a net gain, that's been that's worked well for the 13 car. Five seconds he's pulled out in the space of uh, that lap. Now here comes Shilgunot out of the pit lane. It's not Shield going on. So Lucas Stoltz scored still in that car to finish the race. So we talked about Lucas Stoltz, Garth, being given the honour of qualifying. And it looks like he's going to do at least... We're going to need to check his 150 minutes on that. He's, I don't think he's going to go to the end. He's still got one more stop to go. Uh, Lucas Stoles? Yeah. Yes. No, they, they will stop again. Yeah. And I would um, imagine that's when Jill Gunon will climb aboard. And the 75 Sun Energy 1 AMG Mercedes. On that driver point time, Jack Perkins has just pointed out that Tom Randall's stop was to driver time. Yeah, OK. Not yeah. fuel. Yeah. yeah. Which we saw with... The leading Porsche early on when Matt Campbell was in the car. He was getting close to that 150 minutes of consistent driving. And remember that once you get out of a car, you've got to be out of the car for 60 minutes, one hour before you can get back in again. Now, for most three-driver cars, that doesn't matter. But for these guys who 
effectively have got the arm driver out of the way. And turn themselves into a two-driver car. It effectively yeah. becomes a two-driver car from, yep. from whenever that arm driver's gone. Well, at the end of the day, we said earlier, the best strategy is to drive fast, and this <laughs> has been the fastest car. Doesn't matter if it's wet or dry. And they continue to find themselves at the front of the field. So, still feel like They've got one more strategy curveball. They've got to get themselves around mm. just with where they fall, being slightly off sequence with the majority of the field. And we haven't had any rain for a little while, so <laughs> just, you know, often we sit here and we wish wish rain to come. Now it's clearly saying, not over there. Yeah, the something. weather doesn't come from over there, There's John. All these guys out our commentary box, we know. <laughs> and that's all that matters. It's just, it's it's just not due south. It's not drying rapidly, though. No. They're still doing 220s. And if you're with us early in the day, we're talking about that crossover time being somewhere around the 2 minute 15, 2 minute 16 range mm. when you get off the wet weather tyre and put a slick on. Busy behind, BMW versus Mercedes AMG. Raffaele Marchiello fending off Brock Feeney for 7th and 8th position. These two cars still on the lead lap of the race. They'll need some help to get into contention to win it. But every position counts at this stage of the day at Mount Panorama. And Brock Feeney gets a good run out of Turn 1 and will draw alongside with the help of some error assist. But as you pointed out earlier, Garth, that BMW's got some engine in a straight line. Yeah, straight line handling in that BMW is pretty good, isn't it? So it climbs the mountain very, very well. And also, we think this 888 National Storage AMG Mercedes has got a bit of bodywork damage, so that won't help its straight-line efficiency through the air. Uh, guys, uh, I'm looking at the nuts off timing, which you can get on the internet. You can watch it. Just see. So this is for position. That's Christopher Haas are getting yeah. past Cameron Waters. Uh, I seem to think that car's got a card to play as well, actually. The 22 Audi. Uh, Lucas Stoltz's pit stop time, line to line was three-tenths of a second too quick last time around. That's the scene at Mount Panorama overlooking Brock's skyline and delighted to confirm that the official attendance, 47,333 people over the three days. It's the second largest attendance across three days in Bathurst 12-hour history. Wow. So well done and thank you to everyone that's turned out. It was a record number of camping sales yeah. for the event this year. So the campgrounds have been absolutely pumping since Wednesday from one famous endurance race to another. The Nürburgring 24-hour will be part of the Intercontinental GT Challenge later on this year. So just over 47,000 people. This is now one of the premier events oh, on the calendar. Give Speaking, yourselves a big round of applause. Yeah, outstanding. Speaking of premier, let's go down and catch up in the Triple Two Garage with a guy who's done a huge amount of work today. We've got the headset on young gun, Thomas Randall. Hello, my friend. Good afternoon. How's your day been? Yeah, good afternoon, boys. Uh, a baptism of fire was probably the best way to explain it. I was pretty happy when Cam was out in the wet and then Brendan, our Brendan and Mirko, our engineers, said, uh, you're in next, and if it's raining, we'll deal with it. And I said, well, I've actually never driven a GD3 car in the wet before. So, uh, yeah, it was uh, pretty tricky, obviously, never driven this wet tyre and, and just trying to get used to the ABS and just trying different settings, um, playing with the TC, the, um, the, uh, the brake bias, 
and you know the intensity of the rain just kept changing throughout the whole well uh, double two and a half stints I mean we we triple stinted the wet tyre then and um, yeah I guess it sort of worked for us I mean I think my fastest lap was like my last lap and pretty cool to be racing good on there at the end I think we had a pretty nice battle and to get the car well yeah to be up I think we were P2 when, when I pinned it I'm not quite sure but um, yeah it's been a bit of a struggle for our car this weekend our um, strengths aren't where we want them and our weaknesses aren't where we want them but um, <laughs> the rain I think has sort of leveled the playing field a bit I mean the Porsches I think are probably not as strong over the top but they're very strong in a straight line and that's something you need here um, and I think that's where the wet weather has helped us Using, utilising the car's strengths. I mean, yeah, just a phenomenal job from the whole team at Scotty Taylor Motorsport. Ash Seawood, who runs the car, it's been an amazing program with with Cam Waters, Craig Lowndes. Um, I've, I've had a blast. We've had so many laughs, and I guess the weather station, the uh, you know, the spider, the snakes, and ladders all have come in handy. And what will you take away from this then? Uh, you know, whatever happens at this point, let's not talk about results because I don't want to jinx anything. Cam's in the car now. The car's sitting in fifth. There's some pit stops to, to happen ahead of you. Um, what will you take away from this, win, lose or draw? I think just the experience. I mean, I've never done a Bathurst 12-hour before. You know, I've, I've never properly raced a GD3 car before until today. The boys let me start and this morning in the dark, which was an amazing experience. The visor was a bit loose, kept, kept coming down, which you don't want when it's dark. Um, but, yeah, just the experience of it all. I mean, like I said, got to thank Scotty Taylor for, for letting me drive his car and uh, everyone putting the trust in me to drive it. Um, yeah, as I said, it, it's been a blast and fingers crossed, uh, yeah, I could do more GT racing in the future. Tom, I don't know if you've got a screen here, but your car's in the middle of a pretty good battle with Raffaello Marcello right now. Hey, tell us about that triple stint on the wet tyres, especially when the rain was coming through and it was raining quite heavily. You would have lost a lot of tread depth, so was the car difficult to manage in those conditions? I mean, I think, well, uh, Brendan was saying that people were putting new tyres on and actually going slower. They couldn't activate the the, the tyre. I'm, I'm not sure why. I mean, but it seemed like the, the used tyre was OK, and I think because it kept raining... It kept the tyres cool, and we had a couple of full-course yellows in there as well, which kept them cool. I mean, I certainly wasn't cool. We had, unfortunately, the helmet there left us uh, about an hour and a half into the race. Um, and, yeah, so it's been bloody hot in the car. But, um, yeah, as you can see, I've utilised a fair bit of uh, physical strength. Um, yeah, I only had COVID a couple of weeks ago, but, um, yeah, no, no excuses. Uh, look, as you said, whatever happens from here on out, um, you know, it's been, it's been a blast. We, uh, we started 13th, and, yeah, we got up to second there. Cam knows how to drive in the wet. He's, uh, he's a master around Bathurst, and he does a lot of dirt racing. So if someone can handle the wet, I reckon it's him. Is he into the end now? Can't tell you that. Oh, you can't. <laughs> Come on, Tom. Oh, just stop. Us. It's only us and then everybody listening on RSL and around the world. That's I'm gonna, all. I'm going to leave you boys guessing. Oh, you tease. Hey, uh, Thomas, you've been raising money for Prostate Cancer Foundation. This team has done so superbly for a long time. I, I know it's affected your life, not necessarily prostate cancer, but just talk to being part of that program and this great initiative that Scotty and his family and Rebecca and um, Craig and Lara have been behind so heavily over the last, well, three years now. Um, yeah, I think it's fantastic. I mean, I, I think our sport, uh, there's so much opportunity to do stuff like that. And, you know, this is something that Scott's been doing for a couple of years now. I mean, one in five men... Uh, die um, by the time they're 85 from prostate cancer. You know, I went through a cancer battle myself. It wasn't prostate cancer but in that region. Um, so, yeah, something close to my heart. And look, i got to thank everyone who's donated across the weekend. We've been going pretty hard. 
with the uh, with the, the coin bucket and, and uh, Lara Lounge has been on the card machine. So whenever someone says they don't have coins, we've got the back up with the Air Force machine um, and you know we've been having a blast every time someone donates um, I was playing the harmonica and, and Scotty was playing the, the slide whistle so we, we've been having a blast um, yeah that, I think that's the main thing uh, and the awareness side of it you know get checked it's on the rear wing because um, not enough men get checked early enough Where's the harmonica come from, mate? And do you have one handy to play us a little uh, Imperial Saves? Yeah. Uh, sorry, I didn't actually carry it on me in the car, but um, it was actually from a shop. I think it's called the Pear Tree Cafe. And, I, I mean, I just bought a whole chunk of stuff. And I think Scotty was looking at me like, you know, I'm this six-year-old kid. You know, I've wandered to the other end of the supermarket. Um, and uh, But, hey, he was pretty encouraging. And, um, you know, like I said, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, thank you, Tom. Appreciate it. We're looking forward to seeing you next week in the Thrifty Bathurst 500 for Tickford Racing in the Castrol car. But uh, congratulations on your Herculean effort today, mate. Well done, and hope the rest of the afternoon goes well. I appreciate it, boys. Thanks for the chat. Well done, man. He's a great young character, yeah, one of the future superstars of our sport, I think, and already some great results coming his way in the Repco Supercars Championship, and he'll be on the grid this year. They produced a very cool promotional video, Tickford Racing, yeah. launching their liveries for the year, and he's alarmingly good at the acting thing as well, Tom, multi-talented. He's done a little bit of commentary with me in the past, and he's frighteningly good at that too. He put us all out of a gig one day. Next week, 23, 25 of February, head to supercars.com to get your tickets. And if you're overseas, you can sign up for Superview as well to watch it online. That's next week. This is now. We've got an hour and 18 to go in this one, and Shay is busy in the lane. With one of the drivers who, if you had started off at the beginning of the day saying to Calvin Vandalinda, all right, we've got just over an hour to go. Your car's in the top five. You got a shot at this win. Would you have taken that? Yeah, I really would have, to be honest. I think um, in the dry, it was very difficult to overtake early on, so we were struggling to make strides to the front. Um, and then the wet came. It looked like we had a bit more options, a bit more ways to play, and, uh, yeah, it got into the top three again. But unfortunately, yeah, just missing that outright pace at the end now. It would be kind of poetic to have the two brothers, one get pole and one get the race win. Uh, Sheldon, obviously, his race coming to an end a lot earlier on. Has he been supporting you throughout all of this, your race now? Sorry, just say they lost it again. I didn't has, has Sheldon been supporting you in your race now since his is over? I think he's probably in the room somewhere in the hotel just uh, drowning his sorrows, to be honest. I'm really sorry for him and the, and the team. Obviously, they didn't deserve that. Um, I was right behind following. Obviously, saw it happen. and was so unnecessary so early in the race. But, uh, yeah, that's racing. It's happened to all of us at some point. Um, we keep fighting. I think we've got a sniff at the podium. Um, really depends how the, how the rain plays out. You know, uh, so many factors to it. But uh, just great to be back. I think my brother would have said the same. It's every year an honour to come back, and despite him having a bit of bad luck, he, I'm sure he's uh, really happy he could come back. This has now become a race where there is no wiggle room in the regulation, so you just have to win it on the racetrack. That puts a smile on your face, I know, to go out and make the driver make the difference, doesn't it? Yeah, I think on you, you can see it either way. Obviously, we've lost a couple of our strategic options, which we had in the past in Bathurst. We, we had the fuel saving, and uh, a couple of things we could do in the past nowadays is outright speed, and if you can't overtake, then you kind of follow in the pack. So I think today the rain has spiced up the race, but I think if it was dry, it would have probably been a bit of a, yeah, just driving along in the train. So I'm happy the way things worked out. I think the, the fans hopefully had a great time watching. Um, and, yeah, still just over an hour to go, so still lots to happen. Good luck at the trophy. Thanks a lot, guys. Just over an hour to go, and now it's 16 to go, and the times are coming down, particularly at the front of the field. Under 2.20 now for... Achan Guven in the leading Porsche, the 912 Grello car. We reckon about six.
16s is where you are. The one thing I would say is a lot of the times are coming down when you're staying on line, Garth. This is not like it was before where there was enough heat in the day and enough heat in the track to be able to dry out the whole track. It's just on the racing line. It is a one-groove track if you were to go on to slicks right now. Uh, it certainly is. I've been noticing and keeping an eye on the times that they're starting to drop under the 220s. Ancien Gouven last time around 219.0, so the lap times continue to drop. But you're right, John, it is not drying out at the same rate at which it dried out this morning, where the track had so much more radiant heat in it from the sun and the heat of the day. That heat of the day is gone. It's much, much cooler now, a cool breeze. And the wind is actually blowing from the opposite direction than it was yeah. this morning as well. So a much different weather pattern across the circuit than what we had in the midpoint of the day. But should it not rain again, we will go to slicks at some stage before yeah. this race. And that creates a whole other issue around when do you do that? When's the crossover? How does that fit into your driving time? How does that fit into your fuel strategy? So lots of interesting options available from a strategy point of view. Brock Feeney in the 888 AMG Mercedes comes to the lane. That looked like Michael Grenier suited and booted, ready to jump aboard that car. And I would say he's bringing that car home. It's Grenier. Yeah. So remember, this car's got some bodywork damage. So I'm curious to see whether they dive underneath and have a bit of a look at that. Because when Brock Feeney left pit lane, we heard it. And it was pretty significant. So they'll do the normal service straight away. Drivers change gets underway, fuel reconnects and you can do remedial work whilst the car is up so long as you have the solid safety stands, safety yep. stands yep. around the jacking points uh, it, it, well they're not looking at the front not, not yet, and they haven't offered tyres to no, that car either, so they're learning as well, they learnt from the triple two yeah. team whether stay with the warm tyre yeah, here's that the team car, the 88 that's got some sparks, and has that got some issues underneath Same as well? Yes. In the mid part of the car. Some that car was off earlier with uh, Prince Jeffrey behind the wheel. As we circle back to our race leader, 10 seconds the margin. But a reminder this Porsche is slightly out of sync with the other key contenders for the race. And the big question mark now is can they make it to the end on one stop or two? And they will be the first to roll into pit lane. That's the big question mark with Ayankan Guven leading the race. Jack? Yeah, guys, really cool to be down here with Valentino Rossi. You didn't drive the car in the wet, but with just over an hour to go, P5, potential for the podium? Yeah, it's a great shame for the, for the, for the rain, uh, also for all the fans because they take a lot of water, and, and also for us because uh, I, I, I cannot do my, my third stint on, uh, on, uh, on the wet. Uh, we prefer to let uh, Lello and Maxim continue to dry, and also for our potential because on the dry we can fight for the victory. So, but uh, you know now, uh, if uh, the condition remain dry and we can put the slick, uh, it's not over. It's uh, more than one hour, and uh, usually if we put the slick in this condition, our car is very fast, so we can try. Have you put your helmet away, or you may jump in at the end yourself? No. Uh, uh, Maxime will go. So for me, I think it's...
that is uh, is finished. But anyway, I enjoy a lot. I make uh, more than two hours uh, on the on the car, and uh, I improve a lot of my pace compared to to last year. And I can fight with the, with the top guys, so I'm happy. I have to ask you, what do you tell your friends about Bathurst when you get back to Italy? Yeah, uh, you know, it's a uh, it's a very famous. Uh, racetrack in, uh, in Europe, uh, because, especially because we, we play a lot with the simulator, you know, <laughs> and uh, it's a great weekend uh, because we have a great atmosphere, a lot of fans, and the track is fantastic. Would you like to come back in October and race the Bathurst 1000? Yeah, no, I think that I will come back next February with 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 the BMW. Perfect, mate. Thank you for your time and thank you for coming out to Bathurst. We love having you here. Thank you. Thank you very much. Ciao, ciao tutti. Ciao. Hi. Ciao tutti. <laughs> he's been an absolute superstar in everything that he's done this weekend. Well, we know he's a superstar out of the race car, and I think today he proved he's a superstar in inside the race car as well. He said, I'm happy, I'm happy with what he did. Yeah. Man, he awesome. should be very happy with what he did because he's made the point that he went with the fast guys, and the fast guy that he went with was Jules Gounon, who've won this race the last three years in a row. Front splitter on the 88, so that was the sparks that we saw in a replay earlier, and that car came to the lane, and they've got the... Got the Bondo on it. 100 mile an hour tape. You probably need 200 mile an hour tape for these cars, but I'm not sure that that's going to do what they need it to do. Now, you see, Colin White down at Janetta would have had a couple of metal brackets uh, on that and the rivet gun straight through it. He, he would have had that sorted in about 25 seconds. I kid you not. Bit of, 20... fen bit of fencing wire and chewing gum. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Cable ties. Absolutely <laughs> MacGyvered that to the hilt. The, the, the 24 hours at Sebring that we had a few years ago where the Janetta was there, it was all kinds of different colours uh, with tape and all kinds on it. It doesn't have to be pretty. It just has to stay together particularly when you get into an hour and 10 minutes. Still a huge international audience. Hello to San Diego and Randy Sherwood watching us in the... Uh, on the west coast of the USA. Thank you for joining in with the conversation, all of you. It's hashtag B12HR and there's still 70 minutes to go and we're still scratching our head there. I'm not sure we know who's going to win this quite yet. And Chen Guven making his way down Conrod Strait and starting to look for the wet edges of the racetrack. We've been starting to tease out whether slick tyres might become an option towards the end of this one. And the crossover lap time, last time we went from wets to slicks, was just under a 2.16. And last time round, the fastest car on track was Lucas Stoltz with a 2.16.4. So we're starting to get back towards that territory that a slick tyre might be the yeah. tyre to be on. But you made the point earlier, John, that the dry line is a much narrower dry line this time around than last time when the track dried out. And you can see right there, Mikel Grenier turning in and losing the rear on a cold, wet tyre. So should you go to a slick, you need to make sure you stay well within the tram tracks. That is a dry line around the racetrack. And although we've lost some cars through reliability and, and contact. There's still enough traffic out there, even accounting for the fact that one or two might come back as walking wounded in the last hour to take the chequered flag. Whether or not they're officially classified, there's a, a whole other 
a bit of calculation to do to, to make that, but people would like to come out and take the checker flag. So you're going to have to go offline, and people are hunting yeah. for the for the wet now. You certainly have to. I mean, there's enough of a dry line for it to be overheating the wet tyre. So any chance that you can, you go looking for some standing water to cool the tyre. But given what we know about how long it takes to heat up the slick, when it even when it was warm, much warmer than it is now, having to go offline to pass someone and lose yeah. all the heat out of your slick that you've assiduously built up, that's ah, going to be tough. Well, what was also interesting, just tracking those lap times, it went from 220, 220, 220, 219, bang, 16. Yeah, yeah. 16. Yeah, yeah. So they're not fast. So they're, they're all just running now until that next pit stop yeah. where they can hopefully put slicks on and fuel and then just get to the end. The reason that that happens, Rich, is the track, it almost opens up. You can mm -hmm. see it go from dark grey to light grey when the dry line actually opens up, and it opens up rapidly once it starts to dry out. So you can actually see down through the S's and the dipper there, it was actually still quite wet because it's shaded from the trees through there. Lucas Stoltz up the inside into Forest Elbow. So, although we're starting to see the lap times for the crossover, I'm not sure the conditions are there yet, but they're coming. They are certainly coming, and you do not want to bowl a wide right there. And Bastian Booze. Oh. <laughs> oh, right on cue. So that is on cue as far as staying in the tram tracks, and that's on a hot, wet tyre. So... We're still some time away from a slick tyre, but will that line up with the next round of pit stops? It's fascinating strategy-wise how this is going to play out. 67 minutes to go as the AMG heads into pit lane. And that is... That's going to be tight to get to the end from here. They might just have to make one extra stop. It'll all depend on the how quickly this dries up but it is drying up now here at the mountain for the Repco Bathurst 12 hours 2024 If you're planning your next getaway why not select this part of the world Bathurst is a sensational place to come and visit perfect scenery there's great shopping in the vicinity as well farmers markets you could go gold panning believe it or not the river just near Safala the Macquarie River's got some great cycling trails nearby adventure playground the Abercrombie Caves aren't far from here and plenty of natural wildlife too in fact on any given day of the week if you go for an amble around the mountain you'll see plenty of Skippy and his fairy friends it's a great part of the world. We're thoroughly enjoying it in a captivating Repco Bathurst 12-hour, which delivers us somewhere in the vicinity of six or seven contenders, and we're not sure which one of them will come out on top in 65 minutes and 30 seconds at the end of this race. Raffaele Marciello has just gone under the 2 minutes 16, a 2.15.7. So there's that track development, that track improvement, and the speed and the performance coming back to the BMW number 46. Remember, it's not really got that hot today for the BMW with the turbochargers. It's still quite a heavy atmosphere, so that car is loving that. But... I'm still, I would be very, very careful about going on the slicks. Some of the passes we saw just a few minutes ago when you go offline down into the elbow on slick tyres, that would be treacherous. Well, the track might be ready for slicks, but from a strategy point of view, not quite. So they're playing the game right now and trying to extend this stint as long as they can into the race to get to that final pit stop, to fill the car up to the end, to put a driver who's got 
driving time up his sleeve to get to the end and then put a slick tyre on for that last stint. Yeah, I think that's a good point. If this was a heads-up race, someone would be in and on a slick yep. tyre if they didn't have to do an 85-second pit stop as part of the reg. So they have to take all that into consideration and try and line everything up from a strategy point of view. These two cars now, Christopher Haas and Raffaella Macchiello, the two fastest cars on track at the minute. So Stoltz just did a 15-2. So everyone now starting to find lap time. And a cracking battle, by the way, still going on at the bottom end of the top 10, 9th, 10th and 11th for the Pro-Am podium. Alex Ribeiris with about six seconds on Alessio Piccariello, Mercedes versus Porsche. And then another, well, barely a second further back, Jimmy Winkup in the 88, chasing them both down at the moment for the Brazil Pro-Am Cup. So, race both within a race. Christopher Haaser and Raffaello Marcello looking for as much wet track as they can find, but they're starting to run out of it. It's yeah. actually in the, down Conrod and up Mountain Straight, down Pit Straight, where you traditionally go to try and cool the tyre. They're running out of wet stuff to run in. So then you start hanging on a little bit wider here at the exit of the turn two for the run-up to the cutting, and you start to put your car in some stranger positions simply to keep the tyre cool and yeah. run it through the wet. And you might say, well, why would you go off the dry line and into the wet line? But the wet tyre actually works better like that. Yeah. We heard from Paul Tracy saying earlier that it was actually more grip in the greasy. It was trickier in the greasy conditions, and you're better off to run the car in the wet yeah. than you were Correct. in the greasier conditions. So you just step the car offline in a few strategic positions to keep the tyre cool. It looks like a road tyre because it's got grooves uh, Rather on the circumference, so lateral grooves, and they, the ones that run across are called sipes. They're the or seeps. channel the water. Yeah, yeah they channel the water away. You don't get it's a common misconception. You don't get the grip from the grooves. You get the grip from the bits in between. Yeah. That's what's touching the ground, and you're wearing that away. And the construction of the tire and the compound of the black stuff was very little if any rubber in it now it's a synthetic materials in in tires that is what gives you the, the the grip and it's very different from what the slick tire is because there's more of the slick tire on the road you can do different things with it so when it goes if you get too much surface temperature and overheat the carcass when it goes uh, a, a wet weather tire goes you can't get it back you just can't get it back and you have had that. Yeah, oh yeah. Yep. And around here, it is hard work because it's high speed, long, constant radius corners. In comes Raffaello Macciello. So what tyre do they stick on this car? Slick. It has to be a slick tyre. has to be a slick tyre for this car. While we're waiting. Two, two, so two. There you go. Oh, I feel oh. like... Oh, hang on a minute. Oh. That's, uh, that's banned. Cameron. That that's now banned in uh, iRacing, I cooling your tyres down in sim racing world. It's banned in Australia too, because there was a, a guy that used to race in supercars called Shane Van Gisbergen that was doing it at Sydney Motorsport Park, and they said, no, no, can't do that anymore. I don't think Cam was trying to do it. He just forgot that he's in a left-hand drive car. <laughs> well, he's been racing on the mud all summer in clay and spring car right. racing, so uh, wanted to feel at home. So slicks are going on car 46. This is the first of the outright contenders making a stop, theoretically, to get to the end of the show today.
And, and the point, Rich, you make a good point there because they did have to come in now. They were only 13, 14 laps into the stint. So this is now back timing yeah, to time. And they're going, right, we're going from here. Here's the roll of the dice. We think we can get an advantage by going early. In this first part of the race, people staying out have the advantage, but they're going to have hotter, slick tyres when everybody else comes in. And if it doesn't rain again, this might be a strategic masterstroke from Vincent Voss and the rest of WRT. That car, as it's dried out, has had some serious pace coming back into it. So it wasn't great in the way that front splitter, so the repair did not last very long for Johor Motor Racing Triple Eight. We were watching Alex Riberas earlier. He's actually just stopped and was leading the Pro-Am yeah. class. Uh, Alessio Picariello now leads that in the Manti EMA number 911, and ninth outright for that car with Harry King and Yasser Shahin. So that's a fascinating battle. That is far from decided the yeah. Pro-Am fight going right down to the end. So here we go. We are into the last hour of the Repco Bathurst 12. Um, boy, have we seen some magic moments here at this mountain in this final hour of the race. You couldn't believe that a 12-hour race always comes down to the finish. So let's just quickly recap the history here and some of the incredible things that we have seen late in the race. How about this one? 2015. Godzilla up Mountain Straight in the hands of Katsumasa Chio, passing, it felt like, everybody on that restart. The heroics in 2015 to win that race. Let's move forward to how about this moment? 2017. Wing Cup versus Shane Van Gisbergen. Wing Cup with his wheels on the dirt as SV Tree tried to defend. Ultimately, the STM car crashed out on that day, and uh, we heard the amazing interview with Mario Engel. That was 2017. Happened to the last hour. This was a shocker, wasn't it? 2018, the red flag came out, ended that race early with the WRT Audi leading at that point, and they were smoked on their strategy, ultimately winning the race. Thankfully, both those drivers were in time okay. We move forward to the very next year, hopefully. There we go, 2019. One of my favourite moments ever at the mountain. Matt Campbell, the heroics to the inside of Jake Dennis, now a Formula E world champion, down the inside at the elbow, getting Porsche's first win here in the 12-hour with some true Matty Campbell heroics. You bet that was in the last hour. And how about this one from last year? The two AMG Mercedes. Maro Engel trying desperately to get to the inside of Jill Gunon, spinning him around. Redress the position. Gunon goes on to win that race. So many amazing moments have happened in the last hour on a drying track with seven cars on the lead lap still. Jack Perkins, you get the feeling that last hour is going to turn it on once again. Absolutely right, Chad. The stage is set. Young Matty Campbell ready to go. Is he our best chance for Australian victory? The truth will come in the pit stop strategy. When he gets back in the car, can they make it home on just the one stop or will they have to stop twice from here? So victory for Porsche and an Australian driver may lie in the hands of young Matty Campbell. Or it lie in the hands of young Jackson Evans. Matt Campbell's roommate when the two of them first moved to Stuttgart, Germany to pursue the dream of becoming a factory Porsche driver. It is Jackson who is being tasked to take the number 13 Phantom Global Racing Porsche to the checkered flag. And if you look over my shoulder, there's a man whose name is Timo Bernard. He has been helping out this team to try and adapt to racing over here. He has been one of the reasons that this team has done so well. And why, you might ask? Well, because Timo Bernard's won every major race that there is for Porsche as well as for Audi. Nice little scene setter from our team down in pit lane, building up to the finish of this race with 57 minutes to go. This is the moment where Sun Energy One engages Gunon mode and plugs in the three-time winner of this race into 75. Chris Harzer will be behind the wheel of 22. He's in the lane now as well in the Audi. 
So second and third on the road. I tell you what, there's some people that are going to be properly stressed if this mm -hmm. comes down to a fight between Jackson Evans and Matt Campbell at the end of this race because they've basically grown up together yeah. in motorsport here and indeed in their journey overseas. So that could be a particularly interesting thing between the Porsche boys. So curious to see where this car pops out relative to Maxime Martin because Martin was the first car to take slicks of our front runners. So did the overcut on the hot, wet tyre work better than going onto the cold, slick tyre in these tricky conditions? Cam Waters has already been in and out and taken a slick tyre while we were getting that scene set up from pit lane and our crew. So the 75 car has dropped and waiting for his time. Here's Maxime Martin. He has a bit of traffic. His sector times are strong on this lap, but it's taken a lap or two to get the temperature where he needs to do it. And there's an example of having to go offline and get the pass done in a on a wet line before he has to turn into the chase. Gunon's done. He's up and out and up mountain straight. Here comes Haasa in the 22 Audi. And Max Martin was three seconds quicker than the leader in the first sector last time around. And he's now up to temperature or thereabouts with those Pirelli slicks. Certainly the much, nice more tight. much more temperature than Christopher Haasa. So yeah. Haas has come out in front, but he has the cold tyre, whereas Martin has three laps of temperature in the tyre in the WRT M4 BMW, so whilst Haas has the lead right now, he'll have to stop the car to make a turn here at two. Does Martin try and go around the outside? Does he switch back? Oh, now he has to go offline. Haas is not going to make it easy for him. Does he have enough run to get around the outside before the kink? Yes, he does. That was critical. He had to get it done there because if he didn't get it done before the cutting, it's single line across the top. And that was purely temperature and grip. There that so give and the cut worked. Yeah, it did this time. It did this time. That's amazing. And that, I mean, it's brave, but he had the confidence in the tyre. Yeah. Quite clearly, that's a performance advantage then for that number 46 and for Maxime Martin. So anyone else pitting ahead of him, then we'll now have to see where they come out in relation. Have WRT played the blinder by going early? But you've got to ask the question, can he get to the end without stopping again? Because he was the first, Rich, to go down the lane and put the Pirelli slicks on. I think, I think he stopped with around an hour to go, so he'd expect that they should be able to get to the end from there. So change for car 13, Bastion Boos out. And as we heard from Shay Adam, Jackson Evans in to finish the race. There's M. Campbell. So Matt will jump aboard car 912. So there, uh, Goovin's been 24 laps since he stopped. He's done 126 laps today, Ankan Goovin. <laughs> He's carried the back of Manti EMA. Going to come this time. They, they, they're gonna, they do not want to leave it any later. And here he peels off left-handed into the pit lane. And meantime, so this is the pass. Martin on Haas just has to wait, wait, wait in the middle of turn two, then gas it up and hope that you get the drive off too and get around the outside because you do not want to hang around the outside at the kink in a drying track with a narrow dry line and got the job done, did Martin. Fair to say he was having to work on his throttle application <laughs> there. So, crucial stop now for Manta, EMA.
And Matt Campbell reinstalled. They have to nail this. No errors. No little one percenters with a breach of regulations. Nail the 85 seconds maximum or minimum time in pit lane from pit entry to pit out. Take an extra second if you need it because they had a little bit of track position. But this could be the car race right here. Blowing out the dirt from the radiators there. That's a... Uh, an air exit that channels air up over the front of what would normally be the luggage compartment in a, in a 911, but that's full of gubbins under there, including cooling radiators. So they're going to set Matt Campbell off on stun, gets a bit of wheel spin out of the box to put some heat into the rear Pirelli slicks. And this is going to be an important rejoin, Garth. So Gunon making his way into the chase as Matt Campbell makes his way to the exit of pit lane, so... Matt's got track position, but he's got cold Pirelli tyres. And team car from Anthayume yeah. making it a little bit more difficult for Gunon to get around, so there's Matt Campbell halfway up Mountain Straight as Gilles Gunon comes across the line. So 13-8 that lap for Gunon, and he has temperature in his tyres, so Matty Campbell, although he has a reasonable gap over Gilles Gunon. That'll close down yeah. quickly as the tyre comes up to temperature for Matt Campbell. But I'd have to say that Campbell's got enough up his sleeve that he can bring the tyre in gently and still be okay from Gunon as it stands right now. And just the track evolution and also bringing the tyre in. Maxime Martins, three laps since he stopped. Two minute 14 one, 10 five, seven, seven five. I bang, bang, bang. that. Yeah. yeah. So they're now, it's so quickly back up to something resembling proper race pace in one of these cars. 75, Sun Energy 1, Jules Gunon in a reverse of last year is hunting down Matt Campbell. Remember uh, last year it was Grello doing the same to 75. So the same protagonists have found their way to the front just in a slightly reversed order 12 months later. Rich, when did Gunon make his stop? Uh, he's showing two laps. Right. Okay. So, so no they, real they, advantage or disadvantage there in terms of of tyre and fuel. They should be good to go now, right yeah, to the end. And yeah. the only the only question mark will be is with that stint length we've been talking about. They had 33 laps in a stint. If this race, if they can do 33 laps in 50 minutes, well then the pace is going to be particularly hot. Yeah, I can't see that. I think I'm seeing 28 27 and in that case 912 has got two laps advantage over 75 because Matt just stopped Gunon's already been out for two laps yeah. give you a lap time check as they come round so Campbell out on cold Pirelli tyres this time by the margin 13 seconds at the elbow at the last timing intermediate so Campbell across the line to start his first flyer and here's Jules Gunon now in 75 being chased by Phantom Global with Jackson Evans. Gunon on 11-6. Jackson Evans across the line now in third at a 13-0. Mm -hmm. So Gunon with those extra lap advantage entire warm-up and preparation showing the extra pace in the margin, 12.8 seconds now. Meantime, the bottom of the top 10, the Moselle Pro-Arm Cup for Jamie Winkup, the leader. The 88 car has got... Let me see. Oh, he's got a D. That's opened up, hasn't it? That's uh, 
20 seconds. Yeah, I think he's going to need it, though, because yeah. that car's in a world of pain with the front splitter. We yeah. saw them trying to tape that together, and you've heard from our effects mics, that thing is flapping hard, so that's not going to have the front downforce that they would expect it would. So, And Ross Gunn is chasing him yeah. down. So Ross Gunn is the next car behind, like you said, John, 20, 21 seconds behind. Well, and then the next one in line is Piccarello in the Porsche. Yep. And remember what the Porsches did early over a longer run in dry conditions. Those cars were the strongest at the end of a stint before a pit stop. So in the push to the line, they could be in particularly good shape. Piccarello had a horrible last lap compared to the two cars ahead. 220 against a 209 and a 212. So I'm not sure whether he got traffic in the wrong place because traffic giveth, tra traffic taketh away, of course, particularly round here. That's the battle for the pro arm, and we'll be celebrating them as well at the end. We said we wouldn't kind of talk to it until we got to this area. We're inside the, well inside the last hour now, so a couple of little bits and pieces that change. Um, should it be required to have a, a safety car as the Vortex goes around the New South Wales, visit New South Wales corner, uh, coming to the restart, all the lap cars have got to go down the pit lane and get out of the way. And in that 701, it's Julian Walio, the guy who started the uh, safety car this morning, the first safety car this morning. Now he's rolled so he can see back down Mountain Straight. And is he going to try and flick turn it? He won't have enough lock. Oh, put your foot down, you would have made yeah. that there. I hope it doesn't bottom out here. It's exactly what's happened. It's absolutely exactly what... Oh, has he, has he paused? He's right on the apex of Griffin. Visit New South Wales corner. He just needed to put that 60. Safety car. All bets are off. All bets are off. Campbell, Goonon, Jackson Evans are going to be lying a stone on a restart with no cars between them. Add that, Max Martin. Next up, then Chris Harzer. I've had a feeling about the 22 car. I said that earlier on, and Chris Harzer was looking well confident in that Audi earlier on. Cam Waters, Grenier, Maro Engel, and then Jamie Winkup, Ross Gunn, and Alessio Piccarello for the top 11. Uh, they're battling for Pro-Am. Oh, my goodness, the drama. The drama. Jerry Bruckheimer couldn't write this one. This is an absolute, going to be an absolute run to the flag. Proper shootout. 46 minutes on the clock. Can I walk you through the last four Bathurst 12-hour winners? 2023, Jules Gounon. 2022, Jules Gounon. 2020, Jules Gounon. 2019, Matt Campbell. So the last four races between these two guys at the front of the field. You only have to rewind 12 months. It was these two guys in just the other order. opposite direction. So does Jules Gounon now have the chance to have a crack at Matt Campbell? He was the hunted last time. Yes. Now yes. he's the hunter. He might have to get aggressive. We know how good that posture is on the restarts and at the end of the stints. So all bets are off now. Strategy has got out the window. It doesn't matter. This Everything's unwound. The stagger, if you like to use an athletics term, the stagger has unwound because everybody goes full, rich, flat out, full send to the finish. Nobody's going to have any worries uh, about the stint lengths because we're doing slower lap times. Nobody's going to have any worries about their tyres because they're all on slicks and nobody has any worries about fuel either. So it's all coming down 
to however many laps we get and how much time we get once we get the vortex moved from Griffin Bend. It's, it's even better than that, John, because there'll be no lap cars no. between Correct. the two of them. Yeah, yeah, they've got to pull off. So got to go down the pit lane. Heads up. Absolutely heads up racing. Oh, How many on the lead lap right now, Krilzy? Uh, we'll wait till Mick Grenier crosses the line just to make sure I that... it's seven, isn't Triple it? eight, yeah. I think it is because the Gripper M130 was a lap down with their various maladies they've had today. So and, the equal most cars on the lead lap at the finish of this race is seven. It's happened three times in the past. Yeah, and importantly, no more lucky dog. That window's yep. closed. Yeah. So uh, no one else is jumping onto the lead lap at the end of this one. And also importantly, that means that they won't catch the lapped car or the lucky dog cars as quickly. So we'll have a green, clear racetrack for a longer run before we get to traffic. Mm. So plenty of interest at this restart once we go green again. The interest for mine sits in third place with Jackson Evans and the performance of the Porsches we've been talking about all day over a stint and the pace that they have been having. This is building to a massive finish. There will be 40 minutes to go in this race and some of the very best drivers in GT racing in the world will be fired up, ready to go in a shootout to win Australia's international endurance race. And the two guys that duked it out last year in a different order will battle for the lead. Queensland's Matt Campbell and the flying Frenchman Gilles Gounon, who stands on the edge of history, potentially, with a fourth straight Bathurst Enduro win. And that has never, ever been done before. This is going to be huge. If you're going to move now, do it. Do it because real quick. Get a kettle on, get whatever you need for the next 43 minutes because you are not going to want to go anywhere. If you've made it this long, wherever you are around the world, congratulations. But whatever you've got to get into, your, uh, into yourself, whether it's coffee or chocolate or whatever, to get you to the end of this race, make sure you do it now. This is drama for the leader in Pro-Am. This is the car that... Jamie Wincup is aboard at the moment and they've been having recurring problems with the front end of that AMG and the the racer tape is not cutting it I'm afraid they can't get enough uh, can't get enough structural rigidity into that as soon as they, that car gets up to speed it just breaks the tape because that is what the splitter is meant to do create downforce and pull the front of the car down Question now, gentlemen, on the restart, who gets heat back into their Pirelli slicks quickest? It's a good question because we've spoken about the Porsche, how it's mm. taken a few extra laps to bring the tyre in. The car that I want to watch at this restart is the car in fourth, Maxime Martin. Yeah. Because that thing up Mountain Straight has been electric. So Jackson Evans, who's currently third, better make sure he gets through turn one and gets through turn one well. Because it doesn't matter if he if Evans defends to the inside, Martin will just go straight right. around the yeah. outside. We've seen him do it already today in that car, and it's been so strong in a straight line. Well, just casting my mind back to another famous Bathurst 12-hour moment when a big <laughs> turbocharged front-engine coupe started on a late-race restart in fourth position and led by the time they got to the hump at Mountain Straight, mm -hmm. 2015, Katsumasa Chio in a Nissan GTR. Not a completely dissimilar yeah. theory between those two yeah. cars as well with the M4. Gojila. <laughs>
I don't know if that car's got it in it, but they will give it a good go. It's, don't, it's not quite GTR spec not, the BMW, but, but it has had reminiscent some, of that for had sure. Poke today. I think there's a bit going on here with the 911 car wanting the 20 Invitational IRC car to maybe just get on with it because the queue has formed and Adam Hargraves is not. So whether he is still in the 80k an hour mode or now he's starting to get going, but the safety car's on actually mountain straight, so it's holding up some of our Pro-Am competitors. I can't see race control waiting for them to catch up, to be honest. There's, uh, we're inside the last hour, and they'll want to get this back to green as quickly as possible. Lights haven't gone out yet no, in the well, BMW XM safety car. They, I think there may have been a miscommunication to Hargraves. Perhaps he was still doing 80 k yeah, an hour, I but that's what's they're, they're allowed to catch up to the back of the safety car queue now. We've seen that a few times today, actually, yeah, with little clumps of cars that have been off the back of the queue. And I think that's the transition where we've changed to this all-field slow to 80 kilometres an hour, maintain 80 kilometres an hour until the track is safe, yeah. and then you can transition and form up so you don't yeah. then have to follow the 80k an hour rule set. So that's what they're doing now, but some of the Australian drivers just adjusting a little bit to that on the run. And you can understand that, Garth, because what you don't want is people trying to catch the end of the safety car train while we've still got track yeah. workers yeah. pulling someone out of the fence or clearing up some debris. And so I don't have a problem. Yeah, and the idea behind that is that if the cars are all doing 80 kilometres an hour at all times, that means the workers can get out onto the track more quickly yeah. and get the recovery done more quickly yeah. rather than waiting for the field to bunch up and then only doing it in the gap in between when the field goes by. So it is designed to make a safety car period a much shorter halt or pause on the race, if you like. Under 40 minutes to go. We're behind the... XM, the BMW XM safety car, and it's all to play for. History in the making. Or an Aussie win with Matt Campbell. Find out in the next 37 minutes. It's been an incredible day on Mount Panorama. It always is. It's not finished yet. It's not. The Repco Bathurst 12-hour at 5.45am this morning. Another day full of drama. A key contender eliminated early in a huge accident on the run-up to the cutting. For Charles Witts, it was day over. For WRT, it was day over. But they've still got one horse in this race. That was a big moment for the number two Audi. They would ultimately fail to finish this race as well. The thunder and lightning and pouring rain came and Jack LeBrock copped the full force of Brock's skyline at the top of the hill and pirouetted down. A brave run all day for Craft Bamboo Racing in the Caltex car. They were good. They were contenders. Daniel Yonkadella found the fence and all of a sudden they weren't contenders and Maxi Goats expressed the feelings of many in that team, I'm sure. The pit stop battle was well and truly on and the two Porsches have spent a lot of today trading blows at the front of the field. And this was a particularly intense battle with one car on good tyres, one that had already been out there and Grello went past on the run up the hill around the cutting and the battle was well and truly alive and then Audi who have just been grimly hanging on with car 22 all day Chris Haas is behind the wheel of that car now was battling with Maxime Martin and the BMW was able to squeeze past and then 
A safety car was called with the Invitational Class Vortex, the French entry, making their debut at Mount Panorama. Uh, Griffin Spen brought out the safety car. 29-year-old Queenslander Matt Campbell leads the race. And this is how the Pirelli leaderboard looks for another Bathurst shootout. All the way to the chequered flag. 11 hours and 20 minutes of a qualifying race, Crailsey, for a 40-minute dash. And it'll be Matt Campbell and Kenny Habal who do it once again. Incredible. Let let us know where your favourite driver is at the moment. Hashtag B12HR on the socials. We'd love to get your thoughts on who you think is going to win the race. Jump online and join the conversation. It's a huge global audience watching this one. Call it now, though. We don't want you waiting till two laps from the end. No, that's... I want to know. (laughs) There's a class leaders. So, Boysell Pro-Am still led by 88, the Johor Racing 888 car. Wouldn't that be a feat to win at Bathurst a week after winning two races back-to-back in Asian Le Mans in Abu Dhabi at Yas Marina? Tony D'Alberto, the Lamborghini, leading the silver class. And they've got a couple of laps up their sleeve, actually, over Luke Yulden. Adam Christodoulou continues to lead the way in Team 19 in the Mercedes in GT4. And Adam Hargraves on top in arguably the hardest class to win today, the Invitational class, because it has been a tale of woe for so many contenders. So the maths are simple. There are 35 minutes and 35 seconds until the final lap of the race starts. We're counting down to the final lap at 17.43 local time in the east coast of Australia. Matt Campbell in a Porsche leads. Jules Gounon in a Mercedes is second. They've won the last four Bathurst 12 hours between them. Jackson Evans is third for Phantom Global, a team that's never raced here before. Mm. And then a BMW sits in fourth place with Maxime Martin. And there are four brands in the top five because Chris Haaser in a very speedy Audi R8 sits in fifth position. And when we come back to racing, all of the lap cars will have to go down the pit lane. It's all come down to this. And these are the lap cars. So no wave by. There's no lucky dog in the final hour of the race. They'll have to go through pit lane and drop right to the very back of the queue to get them out of way. So it'll stack all of our contenders up nicely for this run to the flag. Expect one more lap under the BMW XM safety car. I'm just leaning out to to watch these lap cars come through because in there is the Bazel Pro Arm battle. And there are cars between first and second. Uh, in that scrap. Uh, Jamie Winkup has got a couple of lap cars between himself and Ross Gunn. James Taylor, Motorsport Australia Race Control, confirming what Richard Crail thought, that we will go green next time by with all the main players lying astern All the lap cars, all the traffic pollution is out of the way. Heads up racing with 30 minutes to go of 12 hours. That is the Repco Bathurst 12 hour for 2024. Creelsey asked for the audience and to give give their 
thoughts. Is it Gunon? Is it Campbell? Well, I can tell you on the Artwek Discord group, it's about 50-50, so they know as much as we do uh, right at the moment. And they are a, they're on the fence as well. Well, they are a very well-informed yeah. group. It is Artwek, our, our but they follow all endurance racing across the world. There's a, there's a lot of collective knowledge in that group, and if one man vote, one vote, it's about evenly split between the Porsche and the triple winner, Gilles Gounon, going for the fourth win in a row. Never been done before in any endurance race, and that includes the 1,000. That's incredible, actually. So, Peter Brock did everything at this place, never won four times in a row. Larry Perkins, Jim Richards, Jamie Winkup, Craig Lowndes, all won three in a row. Gilles Gounon has won three in a row. Nobody has done it four times in a row. It would be unique Mount Panorama Bathurst history. Be three in a row for AMG as well, of course, and he's two, uh, two co-drivers. Cool well, uh, yeah, for Sun Energy, you want it. it would be an enormous feat. And Kenny Habal, Peter Brock was his idol growing up. He owns one of Brock's old race cars. So that would be an enormous accomplishment. But what about Porsche? What about the job these guys have done today? They've had penalties through pit lane. They've had all sorts of drama. They've worked their way through the field. And ultimately, it comes down to the guy that delivered Porsche their first ever Bathurst victory. Porsche had never won anything here. That, They'd that, never that won a major Enduro. It was the only box they had to tick in their storied history. And this guy did it in 2019. And now he finds himself in a position to do it again. And as I said, when we were talking to Matty in the pit lane, it, it wasn't the perfect Manti run that we get used to. There have been mistakes made, but they've battled through it. They've adapted and they've found the pace, P-A-C-E, when they have needed it. And now we go to war. These are the beautiful Blue Mountains. You pass by this very location, the Three Sisters, just outside of Katoomba. There's a cool old racetrack there too, by the way. Catalina Park, you should check that out. Waterfalls, scenic walks, just about everything. Some great coffee shops just tucked away in the little villages as you cross the Blue Mountains via Bell's Line or the Great Western Highway. That leads you to this direction where we are set for a massive showdown once again. Bathurst has delivered us something incredibly special. And at the front of the field, two of arguably the best GT drivers in the world. You can make an argument for both of them. Yep. Matt Campbell, a young Aussie who's forged a career overseas and is now driving for Porsche and Roger Penske. And Jules Gounon, who's won them all, but calls this place his most special racetrack and stands on the edge of Bathurst history, potentially, potentially winning four endurance races in a row. There are 30 minutes to go in the Repco Bathurst 12-hour. It's all to play for with Porsche, Mercedes, BMW and Audi fighting it out for a win in Australia's International Enduro. And look at the talent behind them as well. Jackson Evans, one of the up-and-comers. Max Martin, Chris Haaser in the Audi. Then Cameron Waters, Mickey Grenier, Engel, Mauro Engel as well. Jamie Winkup still leading the pro-am category ahead of Ross Gunn. And Alessio Picardiello, here comes the AMG, drafting up Mountain Straight. That big 
big front engine car with loads of torque. Is he close enough? I don't think he is. He'll show the headlights to Matt Campbell. Try and just disrupt the concentration of the young Queenslander. It's not worked. And now the Porsche, will the Porsche make its advantage tell as it heads over, over the top? The Porsche's about eight feet wide. The racing line's about ten feet wide. That's it. At the moment, the key passing opportunities, if you put a couple of wheels out you're going to be in trouble it's still very very damp off the racing line so matt campbell's protected slightly from that but you would never rule out jules gunon for making an attempt at this one there's the phantom global porsche sitting in third jackson evans housemate of matt campbell they grew up together they came out of the McElroy school of porsche racing up in queensland the young kiwi has driven superbly today with that brand new team to mount panorama and then BMW, how well, about them? And even if Jackson Evans can't get by Jules Gounon and challenge for the lead, he might actually be doing his Porsche teammate, and they're not in the same team, but they're all Porsche at the end of the day. He might be doing them a solid here by holding Max Martin in that BMW, which is quick in a straight line. It likes the cooler temperatures, but at the moment, there's a gap beginning to form Garth Tander between the leader and this battle for second, third and fourth. One and a half seconds is the gap between Matt Campbell and Jules Gunon as they left Forest Elbow at the end of the second sector. So Campbell's had a blinder restart lap here on cold tyres. Has absolutely dropped Jules Gunon. So they're deep in the field. Some of our lap cars didn't come through the lane as required late in the race. But that won't affect what's going on at the front of the field. Matt Campbell, a 2.062. Jules Gounon, a 2.077. So one and a half seconds up the road goes Matt Campbell. And we tease that it might take the Porsche lap or two to bring his tyres in because it's taken longer than most to get the tyre up to temperature. But no one told Matt Campbell that story. He's gone. <laughs> yeah, he's pulled away. He's nailed. In fact, all of the Porsche drivers... Uh, when they've been leading the races on restarts, have absolutely nailed them. I don't think we've seen an overtake down into Hell's Corner or indeed for the lead, even up into turn two at Griffin's Bend. So everybody's been practicing their restarts, and the Campbell is absolutely on a tear at the moment. This this could be winning the motor race right here. Another two tenths in the first sector for Matt Campbell. So he continues to build that gap first to second. You're not going to win it right here now, but you're going to certainly make it easier on yourself. The more gap you have, should you come across lap traffic, the more cautious you can be if you need it. So going fast now buys you luxury later. Look at the back of this queue. Cam Waters just tacking on to the back of Cruiser in that orange Audi. He's still in this. He's really good in the mixed conditions. They have played a blinder today. I think they've probably punched above where oh, the expectation yeah. yep. was for Scott Taylor Motorsport. Huge performance. And then Mick Grenier is still in this as well for National Storage. Just behind. Seven cars still on the lead lap. Here's the BMW. Looked out for a moment on Jackson Evans. Drops back into line. They all close on Jules Gounon. As they come down to the chase. The Porsche is so good on the brakes yeah. in the chase. We marvelled about that in qualifying yesterday. And that was an example from Jackson Evans again here in the final corner. Oh, that's big. Yeah, that's, that's big. second yep. in, in the Pro-Am category. Ross Gunn 
Uh, I, I presume that was speeding in pit lane no. and they had to come through the pit lane? No, I think there was a lapped car. Oh, so weaving we're hearing. So the Australian rule that we spend so much time training the international drivers, do not weave when the lights go out on the safety car, has caught Ross Gunn out. And he's three-tenths of a second oh, yeah. away from Jamie Wincup Don't, with that ailing yeah, aero on the front of the car. Absolutely, so... In, come, in through the lane comes the 47, so that is not Ross Gunn. That's the Kunduris Brothers Superbarn AMG Mercedes. David Russell behind the wheel, third in the silver class, a lap back from Luke Gilden, who's second. The Lambo, a couple of laps clear in that inter-class battle. So over to you, Alessio Piccarello yeah. for yeah. Manti uh, AMA. Could they do the double? He's only oh. one and a half seconds behind Wing Cup. And we've said that Wing Cup has... Some drama going on with the front splitter. They put more race tape on it, but I don't think that's going to fix it. No. So, Piccarello has been seriously impressive this weekend. And that 911 car has been fighting back. You talk about snakes and ladders. That car yeah, has yeah. had snakes and ladders today. And Jay Tupp would have wanted that uh, XM BMW safety car to be out for a, a long time. If he could have stretched that, I'm sure he would have probably thought about throwing some debris out the side of the car to do the old NASCAR trick. He's not beyond a bit of, bit of cheekiness like that. The other question I've got, and because I've run out of space on my notepad from the tally, how many drive-through penalties has car 130 had today? Yeah. 50-12, it's been a lot. Um, they're, still, plenty, yes. they're still on the lead lap. They're 20 seconds behind the lead. They're quite a big chunk behind this leading group of cars, but Maro Engel's there. Now, I'm not expecting miracles, but if they finish there, that'll be eight cars on the lead lap at the end of the race, which has never happened before. The previous record was seven. So it shows you how competitive this field has been, even though that team has had such a rotten day. And that is a change for position in the Boisel Watchers Pro-Am class. The Porsche gets to the front. So the walking wounded Mercedes AMG slips back to second with Jamie Winkup. And Piccarello gets himself to 10th outright. And what will be the class lead when Ross Gunn has to serve a pit lane penalty. Gunn still has not come to the lane. So he's stretching out that three laps before he must take it. You get three laps of argument time. Well, you can argue all you want, yeah. but once they give you the black flag, I haven't seen it change their mind in the past. It's it's not something you can really argue. that There's, there's degrees of certain things you can get called a penalty on that where it's a subjective uh, decision, but you're either weaving or you're not yeah. weaving, yeah. you know? it's. Mm. But what he's trying to do is give himself the best opportunity and pull away as much as he can whilst he's got a little bit of uh, clear track well, he, ahead of him. Yeah, absolutely. So trying to get up the road a little bit, hoping that there might be another safety car to catch the train and get back on it. But this high-speed freight train snakes its way down the mountain to Forest Elbow. Gunon's found a bit of time in the last lap or so as he now the tyre sort of normalises for Gunon. So almost the opposite from what we expected where the Porsche would take a lap or two to get up the temperature. It's been Gunon taking a lap or two. And he just, on the previous lap, took a little bit of time back out of Matt Campbell. Let me just remind you that the Repco fastest lap is in the hands of the 13 Porsche, which Jackson Evans is behind, a 2 or 2 9 in the race. So there is pace in that Porsche in particular. 
Is that the only car in the twos today? Yes, it is. Yeah. Yep, like 58. That cool, crisp morning air when it was properly flat out. 4-9 for the leader. 5-2, Gunon. 5-3, Evans. 5-4. Nice bit of numerology there for Martin. So much of a much in the second, third and fourth. And that Porsche again, Garth, in the final sector was four tenths quicker than Gilles Gunon. So breaking for the chase, breaking for Murray's corner. But he can't use that performance, though, whilst Gunon's ahead of him. So he, he, he's not been able to chase down Matt Campbell. I think there was a bit of traffic pollution on that last lap in the last sector for second, third, fourth and fifth. So keep an eye on that one. It's the Invitational Class car, the Hollinger car. And I've just seen the GT4 lead in the pit lane. Adam Christodoulou. Late stop there. We are all the way to the chequered flag at Mount Panorama. The margin, 2.5 seconds. Porsche to Mercedes AMG. The two drivers that have dominated this race since 2019, that duked it out for the win last year, are going at it again. And they're already back into the two minute and four second lap times as we fight towards the end. And four manufacturers represented in the top five. And Bathurst remains one of the most open races from a balance of performance between all the different GT3 brands. If that's not exciting for the brands that aren't here this year and the ones that are coming like Ford and Chevrolet and hopefully McLaren and all the others, well, this is the place where you can come and know that you're gonna have a shot. Campbell negotiating some traffic. There's a bit of a story in the Invitational class as well, which has been really tough today because at the moment, just going out of the pit lane on an outlap to the chequered flag, Adam Hargraves is leading the class in the number 20 T2 Racing local search car. That was the car that was backed into the wall early in the weekend and had to borrow some panels from a car from another category that was racing here and the rear clip as well. So that's a bit of a rags to riches story. We always get them here at the Repco Bathurst 12 hours. There'll be plenty of column inches written about this one. Previous lap, Jules Gunon took eight tenths of a second out of Matt Campbell. Campbell came across a bit of lap traffic at an awkward spot in the final sector, and Gunon got the rub of the green this time around with a much cleaner run through the lap traffic. So we come to the end of the first sector on this next lap, and what's the difference between the two? It's Matt Campbell. He's 50.8 versus Gunon's 51.0. So Campbell has the speed in the car. And that's the luxury of a gap. When you come to the lap traffic, you can be a little bit more cautious if you need to. Take a bit of the intensity out of the situation. Spare a thought for Laurent Vantor as well, the Belgian driver. This is his seventh attempt at winning this race. He was runner-up here in 2015 with Audi, doing all kinds of insane things at the end of that race, trying to grab a car that really didn't want to be there. And wrangle it towards the podium including a rather large send around the outside of the final corner on the final lap of the race to get himself onto the podium he's been trying to win this race for a long time he's got a former pole position winner as well Chad Stewart good on is bringing that AMG to life here 
and he's just trimming again last time around that lead it's down to just on two seconds he took a eight tenths of a second last time around with just under 18 minutes to go mine he's got to keep his foot in because he's he's got a pack of hungry hounds behind him jackson evans max martin chris harzler are all there and that's four very very accomplished and talented drivers for two final spots on the box and the one thing we've been talking about all weekend is that near complete inflappability of gunon he just doesn't make a mistake so he's so good under pressure he will weather whatever storm jackson evans can throw at him in that battle for second place but he's got to be eyes forward and find a way to peg that 2.5 second margin back to the race leader time to remind everybody rich when this race ends what the countdown is the end so 16 minutes plus one lap so we're counting down to the final lap of the race so 17:43 local time 5:43 p.m local time plus one lap is the finish and lap but is two minutes and that gets us to the full 12 hours so lap traffic Oh, Jackson Evans up the inside of McPhillamy, as is Maxime Martin. So now Gunon has to follow the GT4 McLaren down the hill, single lane through here. So this is killing Gunon. Yeah. And Jackson Evans has got right to the rear bumper. And now Gunon, does he get around? No, he doesn't. So he continues and he can't go too wide. Remember, it's a single lane because it's wet down there. So Gunon cautious, smart. But now that's closed him right up. Look at Cam Waters. He's in the game right behind Christopher Haasler. So second through sixth, nose to tail, and seventh with Mikhail Grenier as well. So now Gunon's trying to shake the draft of Jackson Evans. We know the Porsches are super late on the brakes here at the chase. What about Maxime Martin? We know that thing's straight in a fast in a straight line. Do they get it all through there? Yes, they do. So now it's six top quality drivers at GT3 cars for two spots on the box. But that's six seconds to yep. the race yep. lead. That one moment. Four seconds to four seconds. One moment in the middle wow. sector. Yep. Has cost Jill Goon on a huge chunk of time. Uh, Mick Grenier was attacking Cameron Waters down at Murray's corner. And Chris Haaser looking at Maxime Martin now in the battle for fourth and fifth position. This is still very much all up for grabs. But, but if that if that can happen in the favour of the leader, that could just as easily happen to bring this all back together. The advantage that Matt Campbell has is he hasn't got somebody breathing down his neck and therefore he can probably take different lines. It's a really difficult compromise to have to have when you Gilles Gounon trying to attack and lap a car, but also trying to make sure that Jackson Evans sitting in behind him doesn't see a crack opening in his front door that he can, he can stick his foot through. Yeah, Jill on effectively needs to be cross-eyed. One eye out the windscreen yeah. and one yeah. eye on the rear vision mirror yeah. and deal with the lap traffic at the same time. So, you're right. And we spoke about the gap that Matt Campbell opened early in that safety car restart, and that's what that does. It gives you that luxury of not having to race the other Here car. You just deal with the lap traffic. So now... Campbell coming up on David Russell in the number 47 AMG Mercedes.
He's just full focus is just get past this car, not have to worry about getting attacked from behind because that gap that he has now, 6.6 seconds over Gunon. And Gunon, his full attention now is in the rear vision mirror. Yeah, Plus David Russell. mate, D-Russ. Well done. <laughs> Thanks, brother. Very generous. Yeah. And that's good sportsmanship. Oh, I know they're playing for different manufacturers, if you will. Um, I, sh I should know the answer to this question, gentlemen. Uh, Gunon ever been a co-driver in the great race? No, no, and not yet. Frankly, <laughs> madness that he has not yeah. yet had that opportunity. Yeah, I was, I, I was thinking that myself. And when I was talking to him last week at the Alpine uh, 424 launch, where he's the reserve driver this year, thinking to myself, oh, I can't, I can't think of him being there. He's rather good round here. <laughs> rather, <laughs> young guy that will go places. Yeah. Going on, yeah. Again, that previous lap at the chase, Jackson Evans was so strong on the brakes. If Gunon gets held up out of Forest Elbow, he needs to defend and defend for his life when they get through the kink down into the chase because Jackson Evans will be down the inside in a heartbeat. Under 13 minutes to go, and the good news for our leader is the next bit of traffic that he's got to get by is quite a long way ahead. He's going to have at least to the end of this lap and probably a little longer before he catches the back of the... And it's not a whole clump of cars. Just a single car, and then a gap, then another single car. What you don't want to come on is a, a battle for position where guys are fighting for a, a lead of a class and not reasonably, not necessarily looking in their mirrors. I'd love to get a stress test as well on Yasser Shahin, who'll be watching on from the Manti EMA garage because he's done... A really big job today in car 911, and they're leading the Pro-Am class. They're ninth outright, and they've got Jamie Winkup 13 seconds behind them. So a slightly more comfortable margin for the second of the Manti cars. But they are on potentially to claim both of the main classes in this race. Jamie Winkup driving manfully in an injured Mercedes double eight. But Ross Gunn taking three seconds a lap out of him and the gap's down to 10 seconds now. I don't think Ross Gunn can get back to Alessio Picardiello, but there's a second place on here for Harter Racing and they'll be cursing that final penalty that they had for waving coming back to the green on the last safety car restart. It's visual how much ground that Porsche takes out of the Mercedes under brakes. Yeah for the chase, but the BMW noticeably closer this time by. Valentino Rossi was watching on nervously with his teammate Raffaele Marcello, who switched brands. It's normally Lello we're talking about in these circumstances. He's been in this fight before. Now he has to watch from the BMW bunker. Can they salvage a podium out of what's been a day of enormous promise for WRT? There's such commitment out there at the moment. Yep. Riding the curbs and the curbs hold the dampness, Garth, as well. So they're, they're really now, they're leaving nothing on the table. No, it's max attack, full send. We hear from pit lane quite a bit these days where certainly the front bunch are leaving no stone unturned. The previous lap round, Matt Campbell was a 5-1, Jules Gunon a 4-1. So the traffic continuing to influence the lap time of our lead cars, but... Campbell enjoys a five-and-a-half-second gap over Gunon in second. And that was... We're on board with Mikel Grenier, who was chasing down Cam Waters. That was the battle for sixth and seventh. 
Yeah, Cam's just dropped off the back of Chris Haza in the Audi. That's another incredible story of the day. Remember, they went the same route that Sun Energy One have gone with putting a bronze driver in that car. And so two of those combinations are going to be in the top five at this point anyway, with Chris Haza having done a huge job and Kelvin van der Linde, who's longed to get a big result at Mount Panorama in all of his visits to this place. The Audi still grimly hanging on. It's one of the older cars now relative to some of the yeah. new machinery around it. But with people like that behind the wheel, it's still very, very effective. And Liam Talbot did do an outstanding job in his stint earlier on today. Serviceable, I would say. Oh, More than serviceable. Quite. Yeah. Audi Sport customer racing boss, Chris Frankett, uh, at the mountain this weekend. It flew in today. Uh, what, uh, one day fi only. Finally, yeah. yeah he, he, I think there were some travel issues there, to be honest. But Chris likes to be uh, where the customers are, and there's plenty of customers down here in Australia. 204.5, Matt Campbell. 204.4, Gilles Gunon. 204.0, Jackson Evans. <laughs> Hello. 204.1, Maxime Martin. 204.0, Christopher Haas. So... Lap time starting to get a little spicy. So that's the hardest a Porsche has had to get its tyres switched on in the whole race so far. So yeah. that went really hard really early. And the Porsche has been a skill of it today, uh, an attribute of it today has been bringing them in gently. Will that hurt them late in this race? Will that offer any pain for Matt? as he gets towards the end of the race. And I'm still keeping an eye on what's going on in the Pro-Am category. Alessio Picardiello now 20 seconds to the good on Jamie Wincup. The 911, the shell helix-coloured Porsche. Well up the road, but Jamie Wincup is going to see the headlight shortly of the Mercedes-AMG, the number 27, Ross Gunn, now under... Well, I was going to say under six seconds. I might as well say five now, 5.2 seconds. He's taking great lumps of time out of that wounded AMG. Seven and a half to go, gentlemen. Tense. <laughs> Tense. As a racing driver, I, this is a tense I've seen Garth all day because if you're in the lead car now, all you want to do is for that to, to know there's one lap to go. You're hearing all sorts of nonsense. You've got to just concentrate and keep it going, haven't you? Oh, this is this is what you spend all day playing chess for to go checkmate at the end of the day. So this is what it's all about. Jackson Evans, have a go at that move. There was not a door to walk through, but Jackson Evans pried it open. Here comes the BMW, Maxime Martin on the outside. And what can Chris Haaser do? This is for... Oh, Martin, look at DP win. It won't work, it won't pay off, but it might open the door to the Audi. He's got a wheel up the inside of Jackson Evans. They're going to war down towards turn one. Goon on safe for a moment, and Chris Haaser gets himself up potentially to the podium. I did think that 22 Audi was still in with the shot. I think Gunon helped him out there, actually, because he slightly blocked Jackson Evans as he was coming into uh, Murray's for the final time. This the Porsche's not done. The this Porsche is not done. running skinny. We know it's quicker in a straight line, but the Audi's got the preferred line into Visit New South Wales, Griffin Bend, and Chris Haaser on the third step of the podium for the number 22 Audi. All right, I am locked on the timing screen for Chris Haas's sector time across the top of the mountain oh, this lap. It'll yeah. be epic. Because <laughs> he is going to run and run hard. 
this is his eighth, eighth visit to Mount Panorama, Chris Harzi. He's been desperately unlucky. A little bit of contact, Jackson Evans to the rear of Shulgunon, but it fired the Sun Energy one car out well. Maxime Martin just went, well, i got to commit to this somehow and go around the outside. And <laughs> they were on the podium for a second. His teammate was on the podium for a second, didn't, didn't quite pay off. I, I think Shilkunon locked up there, Garth, as he was coming into the chase. I'm not sure, but we've been saying all weekend. There. <laughs> Martin just absolutely sent it around the outside, hope for the best. Jackson Evans sent it down the inside, hope for the best, and Christopher Haas picked both their pockets. So it was ecstatic in the garage at BMW for a second or so, then disbelief afterwards as Martin drops back to fifth. How's the situational awareness from Chris Harzer, though? Yeah. Put his car in exactly yeah. the right position, elbows out, made sure he stuck, and then again, the positioning on the run up the hill into Griffin's Bend was perfect and got that car into third place. Could they be on the podium in an Audi R8? That would be an enormous result for this team. Uh, balance of performance sees Porsche from Mercedes, from Audi, from Porsche, from BMW in the top five places. Good spread of the manufacturers here Gunon with a little bit of breathing space this time around under five minutes to go every year every, <laughs> every year. year this place does something utterly ridiculous to us and a show there's a new second place now in the pro-arm Roskun has dispatched Jeremy Winkup with that wounded arrow on the front of his AMG 27 and a half seconds behind Alessio Picariello. He's taking time out of Alessio, but there's not enough time left for him to get back. That was a very, very costly mistake, weaving behind the safety car with the lights out. The, the daft thing about that was he had to come down the pit lane anyway, so there was really no need to be doing that. It's one you file in the memory bank for 12 oh. months when you come back and try and go one or two yeah. spots better. Hart and Racing have put up a good fight. Three rookie drivers here. And with SPS, a really well-drilled team. I think if I'd offered them second place at the start of the week, they might have said yes in their we'll class. Bank, we'll but bank that. Thank you very much. Yeah. But they'll have wanted a little bit more. You get greedy into the race. There they are. And there is the battered and bruised. Oh, oh it's, it's shot gone now. It's gone now. It's broken off, yeah. It's worn through. So... Jamie Winkup's AMG Mercedes sounding more like a Massey Ferguson tractor. <laughs> the 11 front splitter flaps away. 11 1 last time round. Yeah. The worst thing is he's the team principal now. He pays the bill to fix it for the next round. I don't think it happened when he was driving the car, though. He's inherited I don't that think one. That matters. <laughs> so, second, Goon on third, Hazat, who was three tenths quicker across the top of the hill than the Mercedes AMG, playing to the Audi strengths. Less than a second between them. Jackson Evans not out of this yet either. And Maxi Martin will do anything he can to try and wrestle the BMW further forward. Well, WRT last year finished within 60 seconds of the winner. This year right now, they're within eight seconds of the lead at the end of the race. So, oh man, I hope they come back for a third straight year with those BMWs because they have been a force to be reckoned with today. And someone's lit a fire under the Grenier Triple Eight car. Check that out. 203.9 on that last lap. 1.5 seconds quicker than the leader. And that already exciting fight for second and third could have another car with two minutes to go. That's a really good point, Chad. I saw that one too. Grenier 203.9. He's come alive whilst 
Jackson Evans and Maxime Martin are fighting over fourth and fifth. This car on screen right now, fastest car on track last time by, by a margin. Yeah. So, Grenier doing everything he can to get himself in the game. Under two minutes now, gentlemen. Under two minutes, and the gap is five seconds at the head of the field. Chilkunon within touching distance. This is tantalising. He's not... I don't think he's going to get back to it unless it was. Four and a half now, a bit of traffic to go the wrong way. Traffic has played such a part here today. We saw it exceptionally clean running in the early part of the week down at Mansai EMA. And it's... Of course it's Grello. It has to be Grello. There is some lap traffic up the road, but only two cars mm. that are separated, so they're not line astern. So that's good news if your name's Matt Campbell. You can deal them one by one. He's going to get to them at the right part of the track for lap traffic anyway, between here and turn two. 4.2 seconds. Jules Gounon, you know he will drive car 75 within an inch of its life. <laughs> if there is even a sniff at the end of this one. 5-3 for Matt Campbell. 3-7 for Gilles Gounon. 3-8 for Christopher Hasser, who's just done the personal best for that car in the last sector. Wow. So, whilst Matt Campbell's enjoying a handy buffer, he's lucky he's got it. I mean, I think he is making sure he's massaging the car to the end. He's making sure that there are no mistakes to be had. You said it, Garth. Take the advantage when you've got it. You never know when you might need a second here or three-quarters of a second there. We've seen this race come down to metres in the past. Look at the clock. Tick, tick, tick. Three seconds, two seconds and one. So it rolls down to zero, which means it should be this lap and one more. Oh, traffic at the worst traffic possible at Park. Wow, that could have been big if he'd not gone through there. It's cost him some time, yeah, but, but not a whole heap of time. Uh, Gunon, there's potential that Gunon will get it in this part of Correct. the track. The S is coming down the hill, which is worst. much more a one-lane raceway than it is at Reed and McPhillamy Parks. So, 2.6 seconds. Jill Gunon. He's got... Nine kilometres, nine kilometres to try and give Kenny three in a row, to try and give Luca three in a row and go four up and create Bathurst history. But this young man out in front, he celebrated his 29th birthday yesterday. He won the Daytona 24 hour just a couple of weeks ago. He's one of the great success stories of the Australian motorsport and the Porsche pyramid here to go overseas and become a factory driver at the very highest level of sports car racing around the world. And Mante, EMA Racing, what about that story? They're six k's away from a Bathurst win. One lap remaining in the Repco Bathurst 12-hour. Well, well, well. What an up-and-down day it has been for a number of the class leaders. An up-and-down week. It's not been, by any stretch of the imagination, gentlemen, a pristine Manti performance. There's been mistakes made, but they have reacted and they have had the key element 
to any mortar race, be it a sprint or endurance, they've had speed, they've had the pace, and all three drivers, Lawrence Vantour, Aichan Guven, who has done the yeoman's part of the work, by far the most laps, and Matt Campbell brought in as the closer. You are going to have dramas in a 12-hour race. Doesn't matter where it is. Yep. Doesn't matter what sort of driving lineup you have. It's how you recover from those dramas. And the 912 car that leads outright and the 911 car that leads the Pro-Am race have had their fair share of dramas. And Mante EMA have recovered beautifully. They've had fast race cars, but they've got themselves in a position to use those fast race cars. And no one can deny that this is a very, very special result for Porsche. Yeah, today the fastest car will win the race mm. if it can negotiate final sector. This story incredible. Lawrence Van Thor has tried his heart out for years in cars that weren't quite possibly there to win. And the Belgian driver, who's been a superstar at this place, one of our favourite internationals, has done the job. And Ayankin Guven has been remarkable. But the story is around Matt Campbell, who's going to win this one again. He's just got the run down to Murray's for the final time. Jules Gounon is within sight of history, but he won't make it. It's Porsche and Mantai EMA who win the Repco Bathurst 12 hours in 2024. And Matt Campbell does it again. He did it before the big run of Sun Energy 1. And he breaks the streak and breaks their hearts. What a run. And Bathurst has delivered again. What a defence for Sun Energy 1. What a defence. If you can't win it, finish second. No, they went within 2.6 wow. seconds of doing it again. And Manti EMA will do the double pro and outright win. And the Boysell Pro-Am class. This is a huge result for this team. Yasser Shekin is going to win at Mount Panorama. And they were in the they were a lap down in the kitty litter at yep. the top of the mountain. So they didn't have a perfect day. That wasn't their fault, in all honesty. So that's a great comeback drive as well. Remarkable stuff. Lawrence Vantor, finally, how does it feel to be a winner at Bathurst? It always needs a bit of time to sink in, but yeah, pretty amazing. Uh, pretty amazing group of people. I've uh, been waiting for this and dreaming of this one for, for a while, and it's, uh, it's there, so I'm happy. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Silver class coming through to a quite brilliant finish. They've just gone round like clockwork. The Invitational class with bits falling off the car in front of it as they come down. It's the IRC car that was hard into the wall with the driver who was in the car who was hard into the wall earlier in the week. This is another great comeback story, Krilzy. Incredible. One of the overnight Bathurst repair jobs to victory. <laughs> the, the Bathurst history book's full of that story. That's incredible. And Mark Griffith's little team that could in the Mercedes-AMG winning GT4, but Matt Campbell, he was the hero for Porsche in 2019. He's the hero for Porsche again in 2024. And he wins by 2.6 seconds. With Jules Gounon, whose streak finishes at a mere three in a row. There's only six drivers in the history of this place that have done it. Shay? Again, Matt Campbell, winner at Bathurst. How special is this place? Yeah, I mean, that feels awesome. Obviously, second win. 
uh, you know, tough day, the, the weather, everything like that. And, and hats off to everyone at EMA Mentai Racing. I mean, we're always running at the front. And it wasn't easy with the mixed conditions, but, you know, to Larry and, and uh, Iancian, they did a fantastic job. We kept it off the walls and, uh, yeah, phenomenal. You know, the second win and, uh, yeah, it's un unreal. Nothing but qualifying laps for that last stint? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was a little bit of uh, risk management as well. Uh, obviously, there was quite a lot of uh, water still offline in places, so just making sure I don't do any mistakes and, and really trying to manage the gap a little bit as well. So team was sort of keeping me up to date and, uh, yeah, we, we got there in the end. Two big races this year, two big wins. Congrats. Keep it going. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Great start to the year. I think it was Shea who first spoke to Matt as well after winning the Rolex 24 at Daytona. That's his mum and TC, his aunt. They have been along every step of this journey. It's his girlfriend as well. What a really cool moment this is. Waiting for his teammates to come and join the celebration. And Grello, one of the most famous brands in global GT racing, finally gets a Bathurst victory. Uh, the thousand-watt smile of Matt Campbell. What a couple of weeks. First-time overall winner at another Rolex watch a couple of weeks ago. And now second time here on the mountain in a real dogfight, let's be honest. Yes, they've had a good car, but... As we've mentioned, it was by no means a perfect run. And they had to outfox and outsmart some strategy from the 75 Sun Energy One team. The teammates are all together down there. And uh, that's the start of a big party right there this evening. Well, you ride the roller coaster with these guys. And for Lawrence Van Thor, who's tried his heart out so many times to be delivered a victory, it's an incredible result. How about third place? Christopher Haase. Yeah. I mean, if it wasn't for the drives of the two cars in front, that's drive of the day for yep. mine at the end, who gets a podium with Kelvin van der Linde and Liam Talbot. Enormous result for Audi. Jackson Evans and Phantom fourth. That's a good result yeah, really. as well. Maxim Martin fifth in the end in 46 with Valentino Rossi and Rafa Marciello. You know, I heard you call the wall racing Lambo across the line. Silver class winners. That's going to be a big party tonight. Massive. Oh, that'll be at Grant Denyer's house, I think, just around the corner. He's going to win a Bathurst class, and he will be over the moon with that. And these are the class winners. Adam Christodolo. So, Prestige Iveku, Mark Griffo's team got home in the end in GT4. And the class that no one wanted to win today in the end, <laughs> T2 Racing and Local Search got there. And Grello on top at Mount Panorama. This will be a famous photo in the Porsche archives for oh, yeah. years and years to come. And that first win was special, backing it up with the Manti brand attached with all the cachet in endurance racing that it has. Thomas Lausenbach, head of Porsche Motorsport here and in their garage, in their corner as well, was arguing the toss with the... Officials over the uh, the blown drive-through, and they've managed. Gartander said it. It's about how you react. It's not about making the mistakes. It's how you react, how you reset, how you throw away the plan that you were working on. Open another spreadsheet and just go for it. Some great photographs going to be going around the world. As always, there are so many stories to pull out of this. 275 laps, so well short of the distance record 
In fact, it'll be one of the shorter GT3 races held here. A smidge over 1,700 kilometres of racing in at times what were really challenging weather conditions throughout the middle stanza of the race. It's hard to believe they got to threes at the end yeah. of that in that shootout towards the flag. Record crowds has been in attendance. It's been an absolute cracker. And once again, the run to the chequered flag here has given us all of the excitement we could have. Even Mother Nature couldn't dampen the spirits here at the Repco Bathurst 12 hours for 2024. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMond.com.